This is Pod Forsaken. Hey everyone, welcome to Pod Forsaken. I'm Rodney Altman. I'm Missy Levin. And I'm Chris Sachs. And we are a horror review podcast where we tend to talk about horror movies you probably haven't seen, but not this week, because this week we are talking about The Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, which is like obviously a huge Netflix show that everyone knows about. Uh, But before we do that, first we do um, a segment called uh, Trailer of the Week, where we talk about the trailer for the movie we're going to review in the next episode. Also, fair warning. We already did a, a couple episodes ago, an episode on The Haunting of Bly Manor, the first four episodes. So if you haven't listened to that, you should go back and listen to that. And more importantly, you should probably just watch The Haunting of Bly Manor, because in this episode, we will be talking about episodes five through nine, and we're going to be talking spoilers the whole time. So fair warning. Shall we talk about The Dark and the Wicked? Yeah. Yes, please. Uh, this is a Brian Bertino joint. Good old Brian Bertino. I I feel like it's a coin flip with him. Yeah. (laughs) I got to say the first minute of this trailer, I was like, ooh, boy, howdy. And then I feel like it started to it started to go a little bit. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Why did it did seem a little rough at the beginning? And I I couldn't put my finger on why. Um, Looks very dark. Couldn't really tell what's going on. Yeah. So this is about maybe you got to turn your brightness up. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. move your mouse. It'll uh, wake your computer up. It did cue me that to make sure I watch this movie like late at night though like when it's totally dark yeah so yeah this is about a woman who takes her own like an older woman who seems to take her own life on a secluded farm and then is it her daughter Mm -hmm. i think so like her husband maybe or maybe brother i'm not sure uh show up and like have to take care of their elderly dad and it seems like there was a there was a haunting or some sort of demon. Or yeah, something a... <laughs> religious, it seems like. Because yeah. like they're like, she doesn't believe in God, but she had like a cross in her pocket or something. She had like a bag of crosses. A bag of, yeah. yeah. It looks cr- <laughs> I mean, it, it does. It, I am intrigued by like, just, as it started going. Just passing them out like Halloween candy. <laughs> that, that would be so funny. <laughs> That'd actually make a great Halloween treat. Just yeah. like putting crucifixes in the bag. <laughs> so a little background for those who don't know, right? Brian Bertino wrote and directed The Strangers, which... I know it's not the first home invasion movie, but I feel like it's like the home invasion movie that made that genre popular for people. Yeah, it, um, it revitalized it in a, you know, the 2010s direction that it went into. And then he also wrote and directed this movie, The Monster, which we did as an episode years ago, which not years ago, sorry, a year ago. God, I feel like we've been doing this podcast forever. Three decades ago. <laughs> 27 years ago, we watched The Monster. And that was the first episode my wife, Erica, joined us for as well. And I remember we had mixed mixed feelings that about mo- that. I was wondering if it was that, The Monster. Yeah. Oh. Yep, it's that, The Monster. Okay. Yeah. Um, which makes me nervous, but it looks like he got more money for this one. Yeah, that, yeah, I just kept thinking as I was watching this trailer, I was like, this looks like a legit professional horror movie. It gave me a lot of vibes of like The Lodge. Like totally the same like coloring and like tone and like just level of like darkness. Yeah, and stuff. It, it looks like this is like a dreary dread, like a suspenseful, dreadful kind of movie. And like, yeah, a dreadful in the middle of nowhere kind of like, yeah. But I don't know, like, again, I think. You know, the the monster suffered basically, for, I think, from a, a low, a too low a budget for the movie he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And again, it it's possible that we'll f- see the same problem in the dark and the wicked. But I, I think this might be like really good. I, this looks really good to me. Yeah, I got excited by the end yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be fun in the scares and I'm worried it's going to drag in the plot moments. 
yeah, this does look like one of those movies where there's, a, there's like a lot of like people sitting around and like talking about dying of cancer and like just listening to the wind blow, you know, and like, hey, got to renovate the house. And you're like, when's there going to be a monster? And then then there'll be like a creepy dream sequence. Right. <laughs> the trailer, it, it certainly doesn't give away anything, except that like the old woman seems to kill herself at the beginning. Seems but, like, like it happens in the first 10 minutes of the movie. That's clearly the plot of the film. Yeah. And like, yeah, there's like some creepy shit. You see like, like kind of like a dude with white eyes doing the like the shaky ghost head thing. Was creepy uh, though. Yeah. And then there's like, you see, you know, you see like the main character like screaming in the shower, but like it, the trailer is cut in such a way that it's, a, it's impossible to tell like what event is causing what thing to happen. It's mostly just like imagery, which I prefer my trailers that way because it, it tells me the mood of the film without actually, like I feel like when I watch this, I genuinely exactly. won't know. Yeah, so I'm not plot. complaining yeah. that I don't know what's going on. I, I actually right. like that. And and I think as compared to I think the lodge is an interesting comparison because when you look at those two side by side, I remember the trailer for the lodge being like just a lot of like slow pushes on hallways, like the house as it's snowing. So this seems to have like legit scares in it. Well, I think the lodge had legit scares in it too, except uh, you, I don't want to spoil the lodge for those. Yeah, who haven't seen it, I, that you know? just felt more like a tension movie though, that like ramped up slowly. Whereas this that was seems more like psychological. Have... This seems like yeah. there's actually like you know we're dealing with other people around, and it's not just like right. alone. I guess yeah. what I would say is like the lodge it, part of the mystery of it is like, is there something supernatural happening? Where the dark and the wicked seems like this is clearly a supernatural movie. Like, yeah. we, there's no mistaking that. Speaking of so, like supernatural or not, did did Ma a Saint Maud ever come out? It did. It did. Yeah. Did you guys yeah. watch it? No. No, there's a pandemic. I know, but thing. like, I, I, it's streaming or something. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to watch it. That I, just I reminded it, me of that movie. It it played like one night at a drive-in theater, uh, which clearly none of us That's went to. That's such a bummer. I'd like to see but that. But it out. holds a if you care about Rotten Tomatoes, it holds a ninety-seven percent oh. on, and it's certified fresh. So, but again, isn't it a twenty-four? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, so <laughs> no no telling if it's actually good or not. But I'm still down to like do this on a future episode. Okay, I would I like just... that. Okay, so uh, next week we're going to talk about The Dark and the Wicked. So that gives you listeners a some homework. You have one week to watch it and uh, then join us, all right? So having said that, shall we move into the main event? Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm ex I'm excited to talk about this. So... Again, I said it already, but like, let's just first of all, let's do a very brief recap of the first four episodes of Haunting of Bly Manor for those who don't take my advice and go back and listen to the other episodes. <laughs> yes, it is based off of Henry James's work. Uh, and it, I, I don't know, it's a it's a scary house show. I watched it yeah, there you go. three months ago. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, yeah, I would call it like 90% an adaptation of The Turn of the Screw with like, bits of other Henry James ghost stories sprinkled in. And basically it is about these two kids who live in this giant mansion called Bly Manor in the middle of like, like the countryside of England and their parents die. And so their uncle hires an au pair to be a, you know, permanently live there and take care of them. And she comes there and she starts teaching them and caring for them along with the housekeeper who's live in the chef and the gardener. And that's they're like basically like a family of people. Sounds live like on a game state. of clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who did it? <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of clue in this. I feel like there's a lot of like who murdered who, I guess there's no real weapon. In what stuff. room? In... Yeah. <laughs> and in a big mansion. Anyway, 
and then then ghost shit starts happening right i'm not going to walk through all the uh the specific points but basically yes it is the story of an american woman dealing with a haunted property and creepy kids is the added stuff definitely from other uh, other stories of his or is the stuff that the, the show made up uh i mean i think her backstory is completely made up for the show well, so uh, this is one of those things we couldn't, I didn't want to, like when we did the first episode about this, I didn't want to read about what it's based on because I didn't want to ruin the, the, you know, the final stretch of the show for myself. But now that we're done, I did some research. Okay. And basically it depends on what we're talking about. But like the the eighth episode, which we'll come to, which is the black and white episode, right? Mm-hmm. That is straight up just a Henry James short story. Like that is mm. exactly that. Okay. That is called the romance of certain old clothes. And in fact, yeah. every episode, it, the title of the episode is the title of a Henry James ghost story. Oh, that's cool. Okay. But they don't all actually work. You know what I mean? It's sort of like there's like little pieces from these stories scattered throughout. The, uh, the only other one that is like a very clear reference is, the, is episode six, which is called The Jolly Corner. And The Jolly Corner is about a, basically an American man who comes face to face with his alter ego and which is kind of what happens in episode six right the rest of them are like uh little sprinklings for example there is a story he wrote called um sir edmund orm uh which is a romantic ghost story about a woman who rejects her fiance and then he commits suicide and basically starts haunting her right which is sort of like what happens with the fiance you know, in the beginning of the show, kind of, kind of, right? I mean, it's enough like, that you can make a case. Some people claim that he's pulling from a story. They're pulling from a story called um, Owen Wingrave, which is about like basically, uh, I think the ghost of a dead soldier. And like that has nothing to do with the show other than there is like a dead soldier in a couple scenes. Right. Right. And I believe the family is named Wingrave. Right. Yeah. It's for all you Henry James heads out there. You're going <laughs> to love all these references. <laughs> And then like the last the last episode is based on um, one of his works called The Beast in the Jungle. But like apparently the the Beast in the Jungle short story is not a ghost story. It's more just like a it's just sort of like a meditation on how as you get older, you feel the weight of the coming doom. Right. And like that's sort of what the last episode is about. So Mm -hmm. it it really feels like they kind of took bits and pieces from various Henry James things put them in a blender, made a gravy, and then poured that over mm-hmm. the, ta- the, turning, the turn of the screw. I think it worked, what they did. I, I really, really, really liked the second half of the season. I loved it until the seventh episode. Eight and nine, I fucking hate. You do? Yep. I liked eight a lot. Oh, I thought eight was hot trash. I liked it. Wow, mm-hmm. we're going to have different opinions here. I'm, I, there were episodes I liked and didn't. I thought seven was hot trash. I thought eight was okay, and I really liked, I liked nine. I liked how it closed out. Why don't we just talk about them in order, yeah? Great. Episode five. This is my favorite episode in the series. Uh, yeah, agreed. This was, this was the highlight. The, this is called The Altar of the Dead. Missy, d- did you like this one? Or oh, I, I, I liked all of the ones we're talking about today. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. sorry. Well, then we know where you stand. <laughs> no, no, no fucking suspense there. <laughs> A lot more than the first half of the season. Yes. I, uh, yes, I will say I much preferred, I mean, for me, like, five and six were the highlights of this show. Yes. Um, yeah, I didn't, li- yeah, I, I liked some episodes more than others, but as a whole, I, I just thought it all worked as part of the full story. Like, I think it made sense and 
added to it instead of taking away. Well, I mean, this is a, a thing I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about because I feel like there's something uneven about the show that doesn't work for me as a whole. But any given episode was like a like at least OK to great. And I felt like they wrapped it up nicely in the end. So overall, I'm very happy with the show, you know, like I'm recommending it to people. But like, I don't know, I felt like they lost the narrative thread a couple of times. Yeah, well, I think it's sort of the the double beat addendum that goes beyond what Turn of the Screw did, right? Because Turn of the Screw ends with the mm-hmm. ending of the possession, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like, you finish at Bly Manor, and that's it. It's over. So these two things, like, trying to explain what happened with this, you know, Lady in the Lake ghost, and then what happens to, you know, uh, uh, to the au pair and the gardener afterwards, it just feels a little tacked on. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's it, the thing. It, it feels like... It absolutely is, but it makes sense. It doesn't seem random, I don't think. No, I, I think it logically makes sense, but I don't... I think it makes sense in terms of a narrative. I don't think it makes sense in terms of adding to the story. I mean, uh, you know, I think the way Mike Flanagan refers to it is he thinks of this as like a remix of The Turn of the Screw, right? Sure. And so I'm not going to, like, deduct points for not adhering to the way The Turn of the Screw goes, right? But there is something like it feels like the main story is the story of the au pair and these kids and this house. Right. But that kind of peters out. Right. Like like episode eight, the second to last episode is literally just one entire hour. That's the history of the house. Right. And so you while it tells you the history, it has nothing to do with the show I've been watching. Right. Like I'm not it hasn't doesn't involve those characters. And then episode nine wraps up very quickly. And then it's sort of just like a 50 minute epilogue, you know? So, but we'll come to that. Let's talk about the best episode, which is episode five, uh, which is about the, the Hannah housekeeper. Gross episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was called the altar of the dead actress in the show, right? Oh yeah. People say that. Oh yeah. 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 I, I, I think this, this actress who I'm not familiar with is fantastic, but, um, Tanya Miller. I don't know. Thank you. Thank you. Do you know her from anything? Uh, no, <laughs> I feel like I've seen her before. Man, she's been in a lot of things, and yeah. yet it, it's mostly British stuff, so that makes sense. <laughs> she was on Sex Education, if either of you watched that, oh, which I, I did not. Oh, I have watched that. Yeah, now I remember. Okay. So basically, in the first four episodes, I, I think, I don't know, I, I felt like there's something weird going on with the housekeeper, right? Mm-hmm. And the show does it, the show makes it pretty clear. Like, you see her, she keeps seeing this, like, weird crack in the wall, Um that like no one else seems to see. She keeps hanging out in like the the chapel, and I noticed that she doesn't. She never eats food. But M- Missy, you didn't catch that. I don't surprise, know surprise. That. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. But but she does drink tea. So I was like, I don't know. Like I, I guess I just kept thinking she was going to have some kind of like illness or whatever. But turns out, again, we're doing spoilers, so warning. She's three, dead. two, one. Oh. Uh, oh, oh wait, let's just do it. The, let's do it the Padre Zagan way. Okay, spoilers. Three, two, one. She's dead. Yeah, that, well, still you, not, not, not really classic. That's not, that's, she's that's not the dead. classic way. Oh, okay. She's dead the whole time. All right, ready? Spoilers. <laughs> Three, two, one. She's dead the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, but I liked it. So, yeah, th- I mean, look, I did not I did not see it coming. And it's hard. This is one of those episodes that's like hard to describe because mm-hmm. it's basically like a trippy series of like intermingled flashbacks as you start to realize that the housekeeper is trapped in this like dreamlike loop where she's talking to like the chef, 
right? And the chef is basically trying to help her realize that she is actually dead. But it's just herself. Like, she's thinking in a memory, and it's like her thinking, talking as him. I liked this because it felt like it built off the lore of the first season, Haunting of Hill House, of, like, how these ghosts exist in a space, right? That they're, like, energy trapped there. So they're just, like, jumping through and slipping through uh, time as it's attached to this one, you know, location. And that that kind of has vibes of the bent neck lady. Right. It's like I I like the idea that these ghosts are trapped like in the location, uh, you know, whatever the house and that to like they they're just doing their thing. And to them, they are still alive. And like they just don't they don't know that they're dead. I think what's really weird, though, I, I had a really hard time getting past the fact that like everybody interacts with her all the time on this show. Well, yeah, I mean, the rules aren't spelled out really well, but this is like, this is setting out some rules. Like it's, you know, it's basically we're seeing like, it's, it's whoever the person is, it's, do they realize her? She doesn't realize she's dead. So she's not acting like she's dead. So like they're seeing her as a spirit. So it's like kind of about your will and like what you believe and like how powerful your will is. Um, so she's able to interact with other people because she doesn't know she's dead. She has no idea she's dead. Yeah, I think this is like this is a what do you want? Like a Rodney thing, right? Like I just I have a hard time accepting ghosts as like physical beings that are solid and you can touch and they can like pick up mops and clean the floor. Right. I think this is part of the reason why I had a hard time with the wailing when we watch that, too. Right. Because it's again, it's all about ghosts that basically just look like people and like you can hug them and shit. Right. And so, like, I'm down with ghosts who, like, flicker in and out, and I'm down with, like, ghosts that, like, when you go to touch them, you pass through them. But, like, for the first four episodes, the yeah. housekeeper is literally washing dishes and mopping the floor and drinking tea. Well, and it's like, touch stuff. where is that tea going, right? She takes a sip of the tea. Doesn't it just spill onto the, the floor through her body? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, yeah. But I mean, I think part of it is, as we will, like, come to see, is she's very freshly dead. Like, it's not like she's been dead for years. This is new. So she would fade away eventually. Well, but it's also like, because she, this episode is about her recognizing her own death, like, and it it pays off later. Like, she she doesn't know she's dead. So it's like, she's essentially like a poltergeist that doesn't know that they're a poltergeist. So like, she's able to interact with this stuff, right? But she can't leave the property. Right. So it's it's like she's just taking on a physical manifestation because that's how her spirit energy has, uh, you know, congealed. Yeah, like like once I accepted the rules of the show, right? Like from this point forward, I, I was like, OK, the ghosts are fucking solid beings. I just didn't know that up until this point. And so it makes her a good twist. But it just it, it I don't know. It, it's not how I like my ghosts is the best way to put it. Right. Right. Uh, because they stop being spooky. They just are like, they're literally just people, you know, like, Oh, just, I mean, I guess like, like, look, I like the way the sixth sense is right. That's how I like my ghosts. Like Bruce Willis, he looks like a person. He talks like a person, nothing ghostly about him, but you never see him interact with things, right? He's not right. touching things. He's not moving chairs. And that, that retroactively makes more sense to me when I'm like, Oh, I guess to me, ghosts exist in your mind, but this show is very much like, no, they're a fucking physical entity and they can do things. Yeah, it's like there are specific rules, but they're like very specific to Bly Manor and to the timeline and what the ghosts believe and like their the ghost will, like their personal will, because things seem to change, you know, 
once you know you're dead. Yeah, I like, look, I, I totally get it. And I want to be clear. Uh, I love this episode. It was really cool. I think, you know, it's like it's like a personal taste thing. But if you if you know that rule, I I will say the show doesn't seem to violate it. You know, what I mean, like the bent neck, la- not the bent neck lady, the, the lady of the lake. She mm-hmm. can grab people, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. So anyway, you want to explain how, how this episode goes down? Like, again, it's it just is, really tricky. It is tricky because we're, we're basically hopping in between memories and like different variations of like the real memory. So she might do something slightly different. Like in, in each memory, she'll be like, wait a second. This already happened. What year is it? I'm, you know, I'm Hannah Gross and it's 1987 and blah, 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 blah. She, she keeps trying to like repeat to herself what are the facts because she knows she's getting confused. Um, and we go through like the same thing of her interviewing the chef to come work at Bly Manor like a bunch of times. And she we see her basically falling in love with him in that first interaction and becoming smitten with him. Right, but each each time it comes back to that, the conversation plays out differently. Exactly. Yeah, they're all like slightly different. Right. Uh, then, until he basically breaks the the whole thing, and he's like, "No, you're you gotta like you gotta watch out for Miles. There's something wrong with Miles." Yes, so something wrong was with something is wrong with Miles, and so like that she knew that herself, and like she's telling herself that. Is this the episode where we see what happened to Peter? Yeah, it's yeah. a lot happened this episode. This, even though it's her episode, we see some big stuff with other people too. Yeah, because there, well, she's just like jumping a... around through so many different timelines. Yeah, e- yeah. I mean, honestly, this is this is like a this is like an editor's wet dream episode, <laughs> right? <It's> just, <laughs> um, but it's so like, it's like trying to like lay out the plot is like trying to unwind a Celtic knot, though. Yeah, I, we jumped to her next. I think the next one was when she catches Peter Quint stealing some of the wingraves like jewelry or furs or something like that um and she she like scolds him and tells him that's not your stuff put it away and like she hates him so she and then she makes that known to the au pair um who is now dead the old au pair that like she disapproves of their relationship yeah, the old repair being Miss Jessel. Miss Jessel. Miss yes. Jessel. Mm-hmm. Re- Rebecca Jessel, I think her name is, right? I think it is. I think it's Rebecca. Yeah, I was forgetting her name. Yeah, so again, if you don't know, Re- Miss Jessel was the original au pair who mysteriously drowned herself in the lake. And she was having, not, not really an affair, she was just sort of like sleeping with Peter Quint, the the asshole like valet of the uncle of the kids, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, he's basically been stealing from the Wingrave family first at little like little pieces, like a fur coat here, a necklace there. But then eventually he like steals like 200,000 pounds from the, from the uncle. Yeah. And he asks Rebecca to move to America with him. And oh, yeah. This is like some shady shit. Like yeah. first he comes back because like the last time we saw they had like a huge fight and he does that thing. He's like, I swear, oh, I love you and I'd never treat you like that again. <laughs> and she's like get away from me. I hate you. He's like, listen to me. I don't know who that man was, but oh, I love you. And she's like, okay, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I thought, I thought Hannah, the housekeeper had like a really great line about Peter Quint, right? She said something about like, I forget what the line is, but how like men like that just drag you down until you drown or whatever. Mm, do you, do you, do remember you remember that. the line? Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember the scene, but yeah, it was a long time ago. But anyway, she, she basically implies like, if you keep, she says to her, like, Peter Quint is no good. And if you keep dating him, like, it will be your undoing. Like, that man will ruin you. And, 
you know, uh, I I get why Rebecca Jessel is like swept up because again, he's like very handsome. He's I got this really too. good accent, and he's like, I'm so handsome. <laughs> um, but then he's like, I need to, I need you to do me a favor. I'm I'm gonna leave for a little while. When I come back, you got to be completely packed, and we're gonna run away and go to America. And she's like, uh, why? <laughs> like, what are you, what are you going to do? He's like, don't ask me. I can't tell you. Just do you trust me? Yeah. And I'm like, I was like, why would you trust him? Say yeah. no. I got to tell you, if my wife, who I've known for 10 years, if she said that, I'd be like, I don't, I need more. Like, I need you to tell me. <laughs> it sounds like what you're asking to do is to put all my shit in a suitcase because we're like going on the run. And it sounds like you're going to do something really fucking illegal. <laughs> And she's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll totally just abandon my job and move to America with you after you do some mysterious thing you yeah. won't tell me about. And after you've, for the first time, shown me how physically violent you can be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, she's like, you're right, because he, he, I mean, you said it very well. He, he got so upset, he, like, grabbed her arm, like, really hard. He clearly is giving off, like, a, like a, you know, abuser vibes. Yeah. And I, like, they don't do, here, here's my overall complaint. The show doesn't do a lot to give me much backstory for most characters. I feel like I get a lot of of Danny the house. I'm sorry, the the au pair. But other than her and we, we get a, one a, scene. This is later, but we get one scene of Peter Quint that's supposed to like crystallize why sum he's, it all up. Yeah, and I, I don't think it I, sums it up. Mm, I didn't like that. I didn't like that either. Like, uh. I just feel like if you're going to embrace the every episode, we focus on a specific character mm. thing then I would like yeah. you to keep that going. Which right? is what Haunting of Hill House did. Yeah. Yes. So by the end of Haunting of Hill House, I felt like I really knew the whole You're cast. You're right. Yeah. We but like, didn't... by the end of this, the chef is still just the chef. Like he's and same like, with the... I nobody mean... goes on to be a chef. <laughs> oh, that's right. He becomes... He's He starts off as a cook and then he becomes yeah. a chef. He, it's like when you level up and take a new class. Uh, I felt like the gardener is like one of the most important characters in the show. I and know. she doesn't, she, she never gets an episode. So we, like, like the, it's like the very end that she becomes even more important, which is like, you, yeah. I guess you could argue that the last episode is her episode, right? You but can, like, but that's not her backstory. But it's not about her. Yeah, it's not that's about her thing. at all. Uh, well, it's, it's, I also she's like 50% about her. Yeah. But it's not about her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we don't learn yeah. anything about her. Exactly. And, and yeah, so what I'm getting at is like, you're trying to make me care about Rebecca Jessel and Peter Quint, but like all you've shown me of Peter Quint is that he is like the world's most manipulative asshole. But who like, did you see how handsome he is? That's true. I, I did you know. hear how, They're... did you hear how sexy his voice is? Chris, <laughs> I'm, I'm from Oxfordshire. Do you want to sleep go, with guys. me? Uh, yeah, I have to go sleep with Peter Quint. I'm sorry. Take guys. off your clothes. I'm Peter. Don't you walk away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and and you don't get enough about Rebecca Jessel either. Like, I wanted I get more, that... but they were still like so likable. Like they're those are like my two favorite characters in the show. What really? What? Yeah, I I everything every scene they were in I loved. Like I wish that they were in the Innocence. Like I really <laughs> I think their story is way more interesting than the new au pair. Danny, you liked Rebecca Jessel more than you liked the housekeeper and the chef and the gardener. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Dude, dude Rebecca, I knew wow. there had to be something wrong here. When, when Missy was like, I liked it all. Miss Jessel is like the most boring character on the entire show. She is literally just like the most, she's the definition of bland. At least Peter Quint, he's fun to watch. I'll give I you like that. I like their relationship. Why? I think it's interesting. 
I, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting. I just it it felt very paint by numbers of like abusive, like like Rodney said, like why is she running away with him? It's like he the one. I didn't feel like it set it up that way. That it's like oh, these two are obviously madly in love. Yeah, here's the thing. Those two, those two get two episodes. That's why like episode three is called the Two Faces Part One, and then. Number, episode seven is the two faces part two. See, they mm-hmm. do it like we do on Podforsaken. Yeah, those are like maybe my two favorite episodes. Wow. No, seven was literally seven made me almost want to stop watching the show. I seven, yeah, was, seven, seven so was a big bad. downbeat. I loved it. I was like, oh God, do I got to watch two more hours now? Like, <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, we'll come back to that because let's stick with episode five so we don't get way off track. Right. Point is Hannah tells Rebecca Jessel, don't date that fucking dude. Right. And she's like, basically stay out of my business. Um, and then it, like, yeah, it jumps around uh, as 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 Hannah is remembering weird shit. And then we finally see the night that Peter Quint dies. Right. And I think this is actually right after he says, I'll be back in the morning to take you yeah. away to America. Yep. yep. And so he goes out in the hall and the kids are out there and they're like, yo, like, don't be out here. And he turns around and the what are we calling her? The lady, lady in the, in the lake, lake, who's the creepy black haired, you know, faceless, faceless ghost like grabs him by the throat and like just starts dragging him like limp into this like other room. And then he comes out and the kids are like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm totally fine. Like, what are you talking about? And behind him, you see the lake lady bringing his dead body out and like dragging it down the stairs to the lake. And you realize that he is now a ghost. Yep. And that part was cool. That That was awesome. It was very, it was very creepy. See, stuff with him is interesting. I did. I said that he's he's interesting. Miss yeah. Jessel is not interesting. What he, what she does to him is interesting. Let me ask you this, Missy. Imagine they announced that they're going to do a full 10 episode series on Rebecca Jessel's early life in law school. Would you watch that? No, whole show? no, no. OK, no. I, so like, then she's not really that interesting, is she? <laughs> I, well, she's interesting as a ghost. Would you watch 10 right, episodes of? oh god that's we come up with the best shit on this show (laughs) ghost lawyer like i like seeing like this like just obviously it doesn't end well and like i liked seeing how this like really happy really like beautiful talented everything going for her woman ends up you know drowning herself in a lake like i liked seeing the progression like how did she get here because she had everything going for her like i i liked that i got to see how that happened because it didn't make sense yeah, uh, in the regular you, story. You've, you've uh, perfectly given me the words for what I dislike about the message of this show, and we'll get to it in the end. Okay, okay. so you see Peter Quint get killed. He, he's turned into a ghost, and it's made clear that, like, he realizes he's dead, and the kids can see him. And then it's also in this episode, right, that he finds out that he has the ability to possess Miles. Am I right? Yeah, it was an accident. Yes. Like, the first time it happened, I think he... I don't know, like went into him and he just possessed him for like a minute and was like, what yeah, the hell? he like he, he doesn't know what's going on. And, yeah. and so in that moment, you realize, oh, shit, that's why Miles has been acting so weird throughout the show is because sometimes mm-hmm. he's possessed by Peter Quint and sometimes he's just Miles, the little boy. Yeah. And and also that's who he's like looking at and talking to throughout the show. Mm-hmm. So like this is in the innocence, but like we just don't get any of the backstory or like confirmation. Right. No, this is a major point in the turn of the screw that, yeah. like, yeah, Peter Quint is possessing the little boy. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to say, I like uh, seeing that also, like who Peter Quint is and how it affects stuff and making it sexual and stuff just to me uh, is more interesting than it was in like the turning where Peter Quint was like riffraff. Oh, totally. From, uh, Rocky exactly. Horror. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I mean, this- like, I, I think they do a good job of making Peter Quint feel at least like there's some bit of a good human being somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess I do believe he genuinely does love Miss Jessel, right? He's For not sure. just like a, like a, like a sexual predator. In his own way. Like, yeah, however much he can love someone, he does love her. And this yeah. also explains, too, why, like, the kids don't want to leave the property. Wait, do they ever, mm, do, yeah. do they say they don't want to leave the property? I think earlier on. It, it's all, that's also a big point in the Innocence, the original right. movie. I don't know if they touch on it as much in this. I think you're just. Maybe I'm partially I, remembering the Innocence. Yeah. I mean, really, the whole show basically takes place at Bly Manor anyway. Like, right. like I think, does anyone ever leave the property? Danny like, does I guess the, once the, at, like, the, the beginning, doesn't she? Yeah, and, and the chef does off screen to go to his mother's funeral yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But what you come to find out, obviously, is that uh, there's a flashback as Hannah remembers the day, like, literally the the morning that Danny, the au pair, arrives. Yeah. Right? It's Danny, right? I'm it's not Danny. No, it's the morning Danny. that Danny arrives at Bly Manor. And she's, like, out in the backyard with Miles, and she's, like, standing near this, like, giant well on the property, and Miles, who is possessed by Peter Quint, shoves her into the well. And she yep. plummets to her death and cracks her neck. And basically, as she's dying, she's staring at the crack in, like, the rocks of the well. And that's the crack she keeps seeing throughout the property, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I was like, that oh, That made so fuck. much sense. That I was... was like, how are they going to make this cool? And, it, it, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And then it doesn't end there, though. She then hops back to the night that she had the the drink at the bonfire with Owen. And she agrees to go with Owen to Paris. And he just walks away. That was really sad. That was, like, (laughs) really hard. Is it because he doesn't see her anymore? He doesn't hear it? it, Well, because I think this, it it already happened. Oh, right. She's jumping back to a memory. And she's like, I wish I had made a different choice. Yeah. Well, she's, she's dead at that point. But I think it's already... Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's she would already be dead. Late. This, that's what I'm saying. It's just weird that like a ghost is hanging out with three people drinking out of a bottle of wine, right? Like <laughs> that's weird to me. Like she clearly has a digestive system, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have been nice as if she keeps being like, "Who spilled tea over here?" Clean this up. <laughs> so uh, yeah, she she's dead, and I honestly I did not see that coming. I, I didn't a- either. Like I think if like you were just thinking about like what you knew about ghosts. It, you would never guess that. Like, I don't think you could see it coming. Like, the show makes it work with its own rules, but, like, it's not normal ghost rules at all. So, yeah, I think it's, um, like, kind of playing fair, but it also, like, I don't think you can really see it coming because it's kind of its own thing. But, uh, so, yeah, right after she gets killed, that's literally when Danny shows up, and it kind of, like, goes to, like, you cut back to a scene from the first episode where she arrives and, and meets the kids and the housekeeper, and the housekeeper is, like, this is a great moment because like when you first meet her she's like looking down the like looking either down the well or off to the side and she's like distracted and she's like oh i don't know where my mind was yeah sorry about that yeah (laughs) the reason for that is because moments ago she died and she's now a ghost and doesn't realize it i was like oh that's fucking brilliant it is yeah Yeah. uh so yeah that's that's episode five we've got four more to get through Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) that one was really good well let's talk about six so six is the jolly corner and this, again, is a, a pretty close adaptation of a Henry James story by the same There's name. There's one storyline mm. of this that I, I didn't like. Which one? The stuff with the uncle. The whole episode really? is about the uncle. That's the whole, yeah. No, like That's the literally uncle. the episode. No, not that. The stuff with him in his office and, like, the, uh, who he's talking to. The alter to. ego. The alter his ego, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I the, hated the Jolly that. Corner stuff. <laughs> right, that's the actual Henry James material. I did not like that. I liked everything else in the episode. 
but that stuff all irritated me and that carries through yeah. past this episode yeah because it felt like it was wasn't really set up it just kind of wasn't happened. set up it didn't make any sense even at the end of the show i feel like it doesn't make any sense and it looked really cheesy like his alter ego has this like creepy smile on his face it looked just like the um demons in truth or dare when they'd like smile a lot mm-hmm. you know like it just looked cheesy and honestly i just don't see how it makes sense yeah but so this is this is another backstory episode right this is where we're getting sort of uh what happened and how how the parents ended up dying yeah. it's not it's not how they died it's like the events that led to that tragedy yeah right which is so- cool it's really this is Uncle Henry's episode played by Henry Thomas, who, again, you you know, most likely as Elliot from E.T. or the dad in Haunting of Hill House. And uh, this is friend of the pod, Alex Esso's big. Episode. Yeah. Oh, Technically, she Alex so Esso. So she's she in actually, it earlier. She shows up in episode five, I think, because you but get just, some flashbacks. Yeah, a smaller her. part. This She's like in this whole episode. It's, it was really, really good. I thought she was um, great. Herself. She was. Yeah. So Alex Esso plays the mom of the children who is you know dead for most of the show. And yeah, she was on Pod Forsaken a number of episodes ago, if you want to go check that episode out. Uh, we also reviewed one of her earlier works, Starry Eyes, which was like one one of my all-time favorite horror movies. I, I love so that is. one, yeah. And I got to tell you, I think she is such a good actress. Like, I, like she was so I good know. in Bly Manor. Yeah. How many American actresses can do that good of British accents? It's like so rare. I, I don't know. Like, I, again, it's one of those things where I don't know if British people can watch it and be like, that's terrible, right? Like, I just Maybe. don't know. I, yeah, I thought it was really good. Like, I thought Henry Thomas's British accent was really good too, but I just, I don't know what an actual British person says, right? True. Um, but Alex Esso is just fantastic as the mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what you come to realize over the course of the episode is that she basically has been having an affair with her husband's brother, who is Henry Thomas. Uncle Henry. And Uncle Henry. And it's implied and then actually revealed, right, that that Flora is his daughter. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which I did not see that coming. That was that was quite no. a reveal. No. But most of this episode is, yeah, it's basically Henry Thomas talking to a evil version of himself in his office like in the dark while he is getting drunk right and for me the problem is that like you're right this has never been introduced there has never even been a hint that there's like some evil demon thing tormenting him and then it kind of never comes back after this episode yeah i mean they show just a i mean maybe a little bit more of it in another episode yeah taunting him but like it does even once you know every secret there is to know about bly manor it doesn't make any sense. Right, because the show doesn't make this a mystery, right? There's no scenes of him, like, that I'm aware of. Maybe if we go back and rewatch it, but, like, there's no scenes where he's, like, talking to thin air and then his secretary comes in and goes, like, who are you talking to? And goes, oh, uh, yeah. no one, you know? I right. guess the only thing is he, like, tells Flora, which maybe he wasn't even telling the truth, but he tells Flora that he had an imaginary friend when he was a little boy at Bly Manor. It's like, maybe that was this alter ego. Yeah. That's, like, the only hint of anything. But, but- I think it's no. him seeing the ghosts. He, I think it's him seeing the ghost and you can't see the ghost outside Bly Manor. So like, who is he seeing? He refers to, he he's referring to the dead soldier. Because yeah. he says, when I was a little boy, I used to see a dead soldier. Right. And he doesn't say dead. I used to see a soldier around here. That soldier has no plot relevance whatsoever. Other than like twice in the entire series, you actually see like yeah. a soldier in some kind it's of. It's just to let us know like this isn't the first, the ghosts have been around a long time at Bly Manor. Basically. Right. And that he clearly I don't think he believes the house is haunted. He just he's just thinking like when I was a little boy, I used to have an imaginary friend. Yeah. Yeah, no, and his so office is haunted. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that so the spinoff story? <laughs> it's weird because it does seem to like violate the because the whole show is about the haunted fucking house and yeah. all the ghosts that are trapped right. there. But like, I, but th- this is jumping forward. But like, the rule that we get is that it's like it's caught up in the gravity of a big exactly. event. So like, it, that doesn't mean that so there can't what? be other ghosts. Sure. I mean, Danny has a ghost. Yeah, but like, yeah. what is this? F- I, uh, yeah, I I don't oh. like it. I just before they- before we go on, when we recorded the first part of this we kept calling the ghost of danny's fiance dead fiance like scary harry potter oh, yeah. and only after we stopped recording did i realize that we should just call him scary potter yeah how did we fucking miss scary potter yeah it, it's, it i retroactively sense. want credit for scary potter you get credit we gave you credit um between <laughs> us but yeah you deserve credit from everyone else so. <laughs> please write in and tell me how funny that joke is i need to hear it yeah yeah, we can be reached at podforsaken at podcast.com. That is no, that is incorrect. <laughs> anyway, moving on. It's podcasts with an F. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's basically like you want to watch Henry Thomas like drink a lot of booze and yell at himself. Like, this is that episode. With the creepy truth or dare smile on his face. Yes. It it does. <laughs> I, I literally couldn't tell if that was him doing an actual just like really big smile or if that's like digitally altered. Chris, you know, you know, it looked a little digitally altered, probably just like a little bit of stretching uh, because it does look uncanny. Yeah. But basically, this is this is I mean, this is this this is like a this is a shoe leather episode. We're trying to like get the I I, after I think it was like two episodes ago that you're like, oh, Danny and the gardener are going to be a thing. And it just doesn't really happen. And this is where it finally happens. And then, oh right, uh, yeah, that's that's an important plot point that they finally they yeah. sleep together. Oh yeah, yeah. That, oh um, yeah, that is this episode. Which yeah. I look, I thought their love story was very touching. I thought it was very sweet. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, um, it was. Jamie. And Jamie's her name. Yeah, Gardner. Jamie the gardener, and she's. I think this is the episode where she shows her like the the the, the special plant that only blooms like one night mm-hmm. per year or whatever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like a metaphor for like you know, be- like the beauty of a thing is in the fact that it can't last forever. You know. Yeah. Um and. You know, she basically is like, look, like I'm a gardener because I don't want to I don't like dealing with people. But like there's something about you that I love. And, you know, she says, you know, Danny basically says that back to her. And yeah, they they go back to her place and sleep together. And it's clear that like they're falling in love. And that's, you know, I thought it was very well done. Yeah. But again, that is the meat of the episode is like the flashback stuff of what happened to the parents. Yeah, Yeah. we see that. Uh, Flora and Henry's father basically works out that the timing of Flora's birth, like it, he was in some other country for business and like Flora would have had to be like really premature and she was totally normal. She was born. So he finally works out that the timing, you know, he can't be Flora's father. And he's like caught little looks between his brother um, and the wife, but he never like thought anything of it. And so he confronts, uh, the mom and kind of it comes out that it's been going on like five years or so that they've been having this affair and obviously he's very upset and cuts his brother off and freaks out and I mean at, at this point we actually like Henry learns from his brother cutting cutting him off that he's Flora's dad he didn't know he was Flora's right, dad right right and he and that that scene was pretty rough because he's like you know like look she, like she's my daughter and like basically you can never see her again even though technically yeah. you're her father he's like i'm the one that's gonna walk her down the aisle i'm the mm-hmm. one she's gonna call when she gets like a scrape or whatever and that's it spoilers and he doesn't 
<laughs> yikes, yikes, wow. Yeah. Um, uh, Charlotte just should have said to him, uh, actually, no, she was. Uh, can't you tell? There's something wrong with her with the way she talks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why. I mean, look, I I guess he just didn't think he was being cheated on, but I'm not sure why he didn't do the math. But, you know, maybe maybe it's a case of just like... Um, uh, it's willful ignorance. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Willful ignorance. Yeah, he didn't yeah. want that to be true, obviously. Yeah. I think he should have just gone like full bore into to it and been like, "We're a thruple now." <laughs> Maybe if that with was his, happening today, yeah. with his own, with his own brother. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> valid, valid point. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know what else there is really to say. I think the main well, thing you learn, the other important well, the thing you and, learn, is the mom the, and dad go on a trip together to try to salvage their marriage, and that's when they're killed. Yes, but well, we don't right, see like, that. No, we just right. are told. Well, Alex Esso comes, the mom comes and basically says like, look, I, I love you, but like I need to repair things with my husband. So we're going to relive our honeymoon and go back to India and, you know, and, like do all the things we did. And it's on that trip that they are killed, but right. off screen. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, and well, I like this device. Part of the narrative uh, justification for why we're seeing this is because uh, Flora keeps, quote unquote, dream hopping, which is yeah, what- that's what what she experiences whenever uh, uh miss jessel basically possesses her yeah because they both can't be like conscious at the same time yeah right so you i think that's an important concept is this idea of dream hopping because she's basically like she's like she'll be in like flora will be like with her mom sitting on the bed and her mom will be like brushing her hair and it'll be like this lovely moment and then she'll realize she'll be like this is a dream isn't it and her mom will be like yeah unfortunately right yeah and then and then she'll like come out of it and this, this is the same thing that's happening to Miles is happening to her where when she's possessed, she's just like in these dream memories, which is basically a cohesive plot device running throughout the show. But that's why in early episodes, Flora seems so like out of it. And she's constantly like, wait, what's going on? Yeah, like, you know? where am yeah. I? Like she keep, they keep finding her at the lake and she's like, wait, how did I get here? Yeah, she she's like she keeps like realizing like, oh, wait, this happened when I was five years old and I'm eight years old now. Right, I, I'm a lot bigger than I was. Yeah. Yeah. That I those that that to me is what the great sparkling gold idea of this show is the execution of that. It ties in with what's happening to um, the housekeeper, Mrs. Uh, Gross is her name. Hannah Gross. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It just all of that stuff feels very cohesive and unique, but grounded in like ghost mythology. Mm-hmm. It feels cool. I like yeah. that. And then we move into the rest of the show. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's everything you find out in 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 episode and six. And this this episode. Well, the last ends... thing there's yeah okay the end. Oh ahead. yeah, big big moment. Yeah. Go ahead, Missy. Um, well, Danny, the new au pair, goes into into Flora's room and sees Rebecca Jessel's ghost, like sitting on Flora's bed, and she's like, "Get away, get away from there!" And the I guess Peter is it Peter that not someone comes behind her. I think it's Peter. She, and she knocks her take, out. Yeah. She's going to take Flora away and they run up to the attic to hide or something because Peter Quint, the ghost adult yeah. Peter Quint is in the hallway and they, so they run up to the attic to hide. Uh, and miles possessed by Peter Quint smashes her in the head. Uh, with yes. uh, Okay. Something and knocks her out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not really sure like why they're running up to the attic and I'm not like, really get sure away from the housekeeper. Yeah, but like, but like from her perspective, I mean, look, I don't this, this, she opens the door and she sees like a strange woman sitting on the bed who looks she doesn't look like a ghost. She just looks like some strange woman. And so I don't know why. Like, I get why she's like freaked out. There's a stranger in the house. But when oh. she's looking at her, she does. There's a dolly zoom on Miss Jessel. So therefore, she's otherworldly. 
Is there a dolly zoom? <laughs> there is. <laughs> okay. So in her from her mind, she's like, oh, things just got real yeah. wonky visually. So We're I gotta get out of here. A bigger manner. <laughs> like I, I, I just feel like it needed like Miss Jessel to turn her head and have like white eyes or something, right? To right or like teleport or something. Yeah, something to make it realize, make her realize to to jump from scared to like terror. Yeah. Well, I thought that she just realized that this was Miss Jessel and knew Miss Jessel was dead. Well, I get, oh, oh, yeah. that's a good point. She does see so. a photograph of her. She does know what Miss Jessel looks like. Yeah. Okay, Missy, you're right. But then would you're you right. would you immediately assume this is a ghost? I mean, it, it seems pretty clear. Everyone knows she was dead. Like they found her body in the lake. Yeah. But it's like if you just saw a photo of one person and then there was a human standing in front of you. She believes in ghosts because of her ex-fiance. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't really have a problem with it. Um, I just like to argue. (laughs) I don't don't know why she runs up to the attic, though. Like, it's a big house. It's it's random now that I'm thinking about it. So then she gets clobbered. End of episode. Next episode. Yeah. Now we get to the episode. Episode seven was really painful for me. Yeah, so this is where the whole dream hopping thing comes in full force because they tie uh, uh, Danny up in the attic and the kids and the ghost adults are arguing about what to do. And you get the sense that the plan is they're (laughs) going to be the children are going to be tucked away forever and the 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 ghosts are going to live as incestuous lovers in the children siblings bodies. I don't know. I mean, this is from Turn of the Screw. I really liked that, though. Like it's like it's expanding on. What is the meat of the story that we don't really get to? Like, it's here's, like, what if things went further in the innocence? Here, here's sort of my problem, right? For the first four episodes, this show is, it might as well be called The Danny Show, right? It's the story of Danny and her dealings with this house. But once you get to episode five, Danny is like barely a character anymore. Like, episode five is The Hannah Show. Like, Danny is like barely in it. Episode six is the Henry show. And yeah, there's there's some shit with her and the gardener. And now we're into episode seven and she spends the entire episode just like tied up and gagged going oh, <laughs> while we watch like Peter Quint and Rebecca Jessel argue with two kids. Right. right. And, and then I'm like one of them keeps dreams dream hopping away and we go into these different flashbacks. And I'm like, what happened to the fucking story? Like, what happened to the story I was watching? We'll get back it's, to that in two episodes. He will come back to it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Calm well, down. Well, I mean, they're doing a lot of this as like more the Haunting of Hill House style where each episode is a different character but and it's tying the whole thing together. I agree. But to Rodney's point, the first four episodes don't do that. So the latter half of this season. Do they season, not do that at all? I kind of don't remember the very, first four because we watched it very so long minimally. ago. Okay. Well, like, you know, like the second episode, I mean, the first episode is just about Danny, right? Yeah. And then this, this, the second the first episode, episode is Miles. Yeah, it's the Miles flashback. School. But you're, you're cutting between that and like, right. The Danny. plot is always Danny. Well, in episode three right. is the background with Peter Quint and Miss Jessel. Right. But it's still all about Danny because the first four well, episodes are the arc of Danny dealing with her own ghost. Yeah. But I see I, episode three is definitely more Peter Quint and Miss Jessel. Yeah, yeah I, I won't I won't disagree. It's just the the bulk of the show that has been set up is the story of Danny. Right. It's not like the story starts at Bly Manor and we meet well, some people. And then sh- a- should. Why do you remember that if you took time off in between watching the first and second half? What do you mean? Why do I remember what? it? I what? don't remember that. <laughs> what? I don't even, wow. I, I don't even know where to t- what to say because I don't understand the question or the logic behind it. You can just forget why you that. Brief? Just forget what? it. Why do you why do you remember what happened at the beginning of the show that we're reviewing on our podcast? How dare you? Like, 
that we already did that episode. You should have forgotten about it and made room for new things. <laughs> gotta clear out the yeah. Yeah, hey, you gotta clear off the workbench. Why, what yeah, I'm saying yeah, is are like, you still, are you do you still have last week's dinner on your kitchen counter, Rodney? No, <laughs> like time to make like, your dinner. You know what? What what's a what's a show that's on right now? The people like the Queen's Gambit, right? Like if if the first four episodes are about a girl being good at chess, and then suddenly it starts following like her mom going on some adventure and occasionally the chess girl shows up. That's weird to me because you made me think you've set up a story about this one character. So that's my complaint. You, you have told me the show is about Danny, but she's it's kind of annoying. But it's would fucking you be Danny annoyed town. by the queen's gambit. If the first three episodes you just forgot about. That's a good oh, question. That's, that's, a, that's good a good question. point. Yeah. I guess if I just, if I just made myself forget what they if were you, about, yeah, it wouldn't bother me so like much. If you took like a month off in between, you'd <laughs> probably forget. This has been blackout drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah, so. So she's tied up on the attic floor. And also she's got that thing where it's like, she's got like a cloth in her mouth, but like she can't do, talk at yeah. all. What, and I'm like, what, it's what just a fucking making? cloth. Rodney, just what noise you, is she making? She's like, oh. <laughs> 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 oh, get to the chopper. <laughs> like like i just i'm just so tired of everyone pretending like putting some cloth i in know your mouth. I, I literally was so annoyed by that i like took some cloth put it in my mouth and was just like i can still talk <laughs> i can still talk like you could you could like give a fucking speech with that cloth in your mouth <laughs> yeah. like i i would understand if it's like you balled up a bed mattress into a ball and shoved that in someone's mouth but this is like the equivalent of a bandana going around the sides of your mouth right also how come she doesn't stand the fuck up? Her, like, I don't, is she tied to something? They don't show it. I thought it. she so was she, tied to like a plank or something. She has very weak calves. She's very weak <laughs> quadriceps. She's just like rocking back and forth. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying. It takes the character, the main characters become so incapacitated, incapacitated and inconsequential to the story. Like, at, at, I, I can't imagine anyone, if you were just ask 100 people and say, but that's who is the, the main that, character? I mean, that's what I'm thinking is like, really, this whole story happened before she got here. Like, this, she's walking into a story that already exists. Right, but the first half of the but, season but is I'm about not. her story. That's I the thing, know, yeah. But it doesn't I'm matter. walking into the it Danny story. But it doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. But not really. It does in terms of storytelling. Well, look, uh, eventually the entire universe will decay down to lead. So none of this matters. <laughs> like, I, I don't think so much the focus should have been on her because she just like walked into something like as an outsider. Ah, so you do have notes about how the first half of the season <laughs> should be arranged. <laughs> well, I mean, she's it's like, yeah, I get that. Like, it's cool to see a situation from an outside point of view, but she really isn't involved in the story. She's coming in after the fact, like. <laughs> Which is why we spent three episodes. With yeah. Her. yeah. Yeah. It's I like this, right? I think we the need that much backstory on her. I didn't the, like her backstory that much. Yeah. The haunting of Hill House is the story of a family. They are all important, right? It makes Actually, it very clear. It's the story of a house. Oh, good point. Good point. Mm. Uh, like, look, I, I get it from like, your argument is it's the story of Bly Manor and all the shit that goes down there, right? Yeah. It's just sort of like, Hey, you've given me so much Danny. I become invested in her. And as the show goes on, it's like, eh, she's just some side character now. She's not even that important. She's just going to spend a whole episode tied up. And then the next episode, she won't even be in it. Right. So, but that's not my, that's like one half of the complaint. The other half is that watching Miss Jessel and Peter Quint like argue is boring as fuck. Like, I'm sorry. I, I didn't I, think yeah, it was boring. I, I did not think it was boring. Well, I, I, I don't know if it's boring. I feel like I just don't find it compelling because I've okay. seen what a shit 
Peter Quint is. And I'm not, as, as you said earlier, like I'm not invested in their relationship. I am. Cause I'm just like, what, what is wrong with you? You would do this to a child. Just like, that's insane. It's like watching a serial killer or something. Which I actually read something interesting about that, that there are apparently theories about turn of the screw that, because obviously it's from the 19th century, that it was a very thinly veiled exploration of child molestation. Oh. That that's what the oh. quote unquote possession is and not giving consent. Oh, I can see that. That's yeah. upsetting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that like I'm like compelled by it. It's like I, the same fascination I have, honestly, with like listening to true crime and like hearing about serial killer stuff like it's like what is wrong with your brain that you are so selfish that you think this is okay and you're so much more important than everyone else just like i don't know i can't look away i don't know i will say that this is the episode where it does try to explain peter quinn's backstory right by like they didn't do a good job i don't know i I didn't like it ultimately what it comes down to like i appreciate them trying to give me more of the jessel quint backstory and make me care about them like far more than you get in in the innocence and the turning i'll give you that right it's just that because they never make him feel like an actual good person he's just basically like i wish i weren't poor i'm an asshole i get jealous i'm abusive i'll do whatever i need so every scene where like he's quote unquote in love with with miss jessel I don't feel that as genuine love. I f- I'm watching a man manipulate a woman. Yep. It's it's not genuine love, but it's the closest he can is capable of coming to it. I, I just feel like so they... selfish and just has been this angry person for so long that like it's 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 the close he thinks it's love because he doesn't know what love is. Sure, but I, I think for us as the audience, I think in a show that's about you know flashbacks and character explorations and shit like that. I feel like the Miss Jessel episode was missing. Show right. me why. Yeah. Show me how she went through this life as a woman of color that wanted to be a barrister, kind of like, you know, t- took a, a negotiation and split her dreams. So you do want the side story. Absolutely. But I'm her, saying it didn't show us that. that. You're right. So it, does, yeah. it doesn't feel. I, mean, I, I, I feel think... like if you give us a little more uh, story about like who she is, we'd understand why she loves him and why she sees value in this. I think that she is like clearly a very good person and a lot of really good people like want to save other people. And I think like, it's like she's caught up in this classic thing of seeing a small glimmer or thinking she sees a glimmer of good in him and wanting to save him. Look, and... you know I subscribe to your fanfiction.net account where you explain all of the things that they didn't go into. But I, I just wish the show did. Yeah, but if yeah. I explain it in my brain, it's just as good. The the show that's the thing. The show leans so heavily on this romance between these two characters. It is like the linchpin of basically the entire fucking show. Yep. But the show doesn't do a good job of explaining either their backstories or why their love is so pure and his, real. His accent. We already said that. I'm just left with (laughs) a- Scott can't love, apparently. I'm basically left with a woman who says, I took this job because I want to be a lawyer and I'm doing it to kiss up to the lawyer who's the uncle of the kids, right? Yeah. And and then there's a guy who's like a fucking asshole all the time and basically tells a hot girl what he has to tell her to sleep with her. And then you're trying to say, oh, but no, he really started falling in love with her, but I didn't feel that. And so- it just, it creates this weird imbalance so that when we get to this episode and it's all about the deep love between them and I'm just like, 
lady, you met this dude like four days ago. He's right? also like, manipulating her, though. Like right. she falls in love with him partially based on seeing like how sweet he was with the children and like bringing Flora flowers and like these things that like he's doing to manipulate her. Right. Well, this is also the episode that you learn that he already did this to her. And that's why Miss Jessel's dead. Yeah. Oh, that was rough. That was so heartbreaking. Right. So you do, he, that's, yeah, this, he, that was cool. He possesses Miss Jessel, says basically, like, I know how we can be together. We can both share the same body and we'll be, it'll be 50-50. But he's lying to her because the only way you can possess someone is, like, by pushing them into a dream. So he possesses her and then goes and walks into the lake and drowns her. Well, I think there's two important things. One, you find out that you, he, or he finds out he can't leave the property, right? right. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Whenever he tries, it just sends him back to where he died. Mm-hmm. And so then he he's like, hey, what if I possess you? And while I'm in your body, we walk out. Right. Right. And he tries that and it they kicks do, yeah, him out of true. her body. Well, yeah, we try that, too. Yeah. And so that's when he there's this important concept of like there's sort of like the ghost can possess you for little pockets of time, but they eventually get kicked out unless you willingly say, I will forever let you take me over. And so they keep referring to this phrase where they say, like, it's you, it's me, it's us. Yeah. And so he basically says like look like the only way we like i know how we can be together if you let me in and so she says she basically agrees yes you can forever possess me which basically puts her in a dream state right where she is forever with him and she's having a great time but from his perspective he's still all alone trapped in her body and well she's not having a great time she's pissed she realized it's a, a memory it's like the same one that they cut back to a million times of her like naked in the fur coat with the jewels on and him taking pictures of her and she's like really upset and like almost crying and because she she realizes that he's tricked her in that but then she still consents afterwards to being like okay you can take my body forever this was i thought this was after that had happened i thought this is well because he he entered his resolution after he takes her body is he drowns her so that they can be ghosts together forever yeah, it's not, I just thought that scene was first, but maybe not. Well, again, this is because the episode is like structured like like episode five, where it's like a bunch of dream sequences. It's hard to like really talk about what comes first because it just all sort of is, you know, in a blender. Mm-hmm. But uh, the way I remember it is she gets upset in the fur coat because she wants to touch him and she can't because he's a ghost. Well, and yeah, so, that makes her realize that they're not really together, that she's alone right. in a dream. And so he, when he when he asks to possess her full time, it's not because he's like tricking her Mom, and planning to job. kill her. I'm possessing her full time. <laughs> Does it have I thought that was just a, I, I thought it was just an internship. No, it's full time now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he does it because he thinks like if he he can like merge with her soul and they that will that will bring them the love that they are seeking. Right. I think it's he just, thinks he, I think he knows he's lying. I, that's not the vibe I got. I, I really got I think, the vibe. Okay. I definitely disagree, but that's it because he's because he sure says it it's so lonely without you. And he there's like a line where he says, I think he thinks you, they can be dead together. He doesn't know he's going to fade away. I, I disagree with you. And I, I would wager money that you're wrong on this. There's I would like, wager money, too. What do you think, Chris? You, uh, so you're telling me from the moment he says, let me possess you. His plan right from the start is to kill her. Yeah. I don't think that's the I truth. Think so. I, th- I well, think but so. But what does he he what does he do? He she agrees and then he just walks into the lake. It's not like there's it's not like him he goes out and like lives the high life in London for a week and is like, ah oh, man, I miss her. Well, he couldn't I, go to I, London. I think that was his plan from the beginning. Oh, and he thought that they could live together and be happy as ghosts. Or maybe it was already his plan to possess the children or other people and you know, get out of 
that, uh, be together that way in real bodies. But I think he knew he was tricking her. For sure. He just thought that she would forgive him because she forgives him for everything else when he says sorry. Well, up for debate. Listeners, you have an opinion? You Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> the way I see it, because I just took it that he was at least willing to try it this way, right? Like, I just don't think he was like, as soon as she says, yes, I'm going to drown her in the lake. I think like for- Because he period- later says like, that was the only way. It was the only way we could be together. All right. Well, either way, he drowns her, right? Yeah. So- Not great. Same same result. Uh, yeah. Which again- she's pissed kind- off. Yeah. Wait, why doesn't he, once he possesses her, why doesn't he try to walk off the grounds? Because I think he his plan was to kill her tried. and make them together forever in the yeah. as ghost. Yeah. All right, maybe I'm wrong. That, yeah. well, I mean, he should at least try to, to, to like. Where's my money, Rodney? How much do we wager? Unfortunately, we never saw it. I heard $200. Well, when yeah. we play the episode back, I just feel like it's I don't not going to be. I, think, I feel like some of the audio got clipped out. I, <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> All right, so then... Th- so th- now we know why Miss Jessel walked in the lake and killed herself. Yeah. Because she was possessed by Peter Quinn. Because her once-in-a-lifetime romance did it. Yeah. Then we go into the worst part of the episode. Oh, there Tell was one about. other thing. As he's hopping around, we learn that his dad molested him, Peter Quint. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's like he's, uh, he's having a, a recurring dream with his mom. Yeah, like Miss Jessel keeps uh, dream hopping away because she can't concentrate on the moment. And so he's like going to try to find her and he can ends up dream hopping to the last time he saw his mom. And we learn two things through these repeated visits to his ghost mom memory that one, his dad molested him and two, his mom told him to rob the family. Oh, I didn't catch that. I didn't good, actually good either. <laughs> I definitely I definitely caught the molesting thing because yeah. they say it like well, 17 times. Yeah, she says she says like, oh, uh, why don't you get some money? wouldn't they like to know about your history? And she's like blackmailing him. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it has, that has no relevance on the plot. Well, it's, it's presumably why he starts why full he scale starts robbing. T- taking money, like $200,000 oh, from Oh, he's him. getting the money to pay his mom's blackmail bribes? Well, I think he's just like, America. if I'm going to steal from them, I'll just steal from them and start a new life. Yeah, fair enough. That's what I took it as. I mean, look, either way, I just feel like it's too late, right? Like we're seven episodes in and like, you're throwing me that like, I've never met this dude's mother. Like now you're telling me that he was molested as a boy, but his father's not actually a character in the show. You never see him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this 30 second conversation that we see like six times, but we're, <laughs> it's, just, it's just another attempt to humanize him. And it's just like, you got to do a lot more than that for me. Yeah, if he's physically and emotionally it. abusive, literally killed Miss Jessel. Yeah, like you're showing me the story of like a a murderer. He's right? so selfish. A no. murderer and a thief and, and a con man, and you're like, oh, but like you should feel bad for him because he was molested. Well, like I do, but that doesn't mean I'm I'm like on his side now, right? Yeah. yeah. So like whatever, okay, that happens, uh, and then it's like it keeps cutting back to the attic, and oh god, the kids just being like, you know, but basically. Peter Quinn is like, hey, like, I think it's time that we possess the kids full on. Right. And, you know, this like this is our plan. We'll each I'll possess Miles. You possess Flora. And then we'll like grow up as lovers and like we can leave here, which made me think of a real interesting question. Is that incest? Uh, I think it is, but they wouldn't yeah. have to, they wouldn't see it like that. It would only be incest if they had kids. <laughs> <laughs> but all, like they're only they're also only half related. Right. Because like they have different fathers. True. Yeah. True. I so think it's, it's still I, enough genetic similarity. It's not, it's, yeah, it's not but because the, the fathers are the brothers, so <laughs> it's complicated. It's uh yeah, it's a genetic soup. Yeah. So then I basically uh Miles 
and Flora say that they'll give themselves up. They go, it's you, it's me, it's us. And they are permanently possessed, or so we think. And Hannah, the housekeeper, is knocking on the door and is like, are you up there? I hear somebody speaking into a towel. <laughs> and <laughs> doesn't come upstairs, though. Well, she can't because she's a ghost. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. yeah. Look, sometimes the ghosts can open doors and sometimes they can't. Yeah. She's, uh, she still doesn't really recognize logic. it at this point. Yeah. Uh, she's still in denial. So, I liked this moment. Miles is going to take uh, Peter Quinn as Miles takes uh, Hannah out to the well to be like, we got to stop this. I know she's a ghost. She needs to know she's a ghost. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. The He's well, like, stop the, being in denial. Like, I've had this enough when, of this. You're right. I totally forgot this happens here. Right. Yeah. And so while she's basically while so he's talking about how in Wiley Coyote cartoons, right? Like, I thought this was a good analogy. How like mm -hmm. the coyote will run off a cliff, but not realize he won't fall until he looks down. So he's like, I need to show Hannah Gross the, the her actual dead body in the well, so she'll finally realize she's dead. But while that's happening, Miss Jessel right. basically decides not to go through with it and not possess Flora. And so does she? They had decided ahead of time, so like they were ready for the situation. Wait, did they? Yeah, the, I mean, she like, waits. Flora and Miss Jessel. Yeah, because they said we discussed this beforehand. You just needed to pretend that I possessed you, because Flora has to act like Miss Jessel. Like to when to um Peter. Like oh, say right, like, okay. Yeah, it's me, it worked. This is weird. Blah blah blah. Like Flora knew to pretend. Like this is something they discussed ahead of time. Okay. Right. But I, I just don't understand why they had to wait until Miles and Hannah had like walked so far away. I don't know. I think yeah, that, I mean, it, she was just scared of Peter. Like yeah. I don't think she knew how to like He's also an eleven year old boy. Like <laughs> in the body of an eleven year old boy. Like how much does an eleven year old weigh? Like sixty pounds? Even yeah. if you're a small woman who's a hundred, you're you're 120 pounds. You are a hundred percent of the bigger than him. Like mass is still a thing. Who is bigger know. than him? Uh, like if you uh get uh, da uh Danny out. Oh, if you get Danny out, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just I yeah, understand whatever. being afraid of a ghost, but like being afraid of a possessed eleven-year-old. Look, here's what here's what it comes down to, right? Like Missy, she fucking loved every moment of this show, but me, my <laughs> wife. And Chris all really hated this episode. And that's got to say something. There's got to be a reason for that, right? Like, it's it's not, it can't be the world's greatest episode if 75% if of the people talking about it hated it. And I'm willing to bet other people hated this episode. <laughs> it was so fucking tedious. And I was yeah. like, holy fuck, can we please get back don't, to the Don't plot go on the Haunting of Bly subreddit, though. <laughs> I just want to watch the show. If you I go into the Haunting watch. of Bly Manor subreddit, yeah. What is this? Is this uh, the most popular people, one? Pe people love this. Oh, this, people God. love this episode. And people talk about the next one, how they cried and thought this was the most touching episode of TV this year. Oh, God. All right. Let's just. <laughs> so, I, I right, bawled so, my eyes out on episode nine. The end of episode nine, I was, oh, I was bawling. I, there, there were some weepy moments just because I liked the characters. But uh, all right, let's let's finish up episode seven. Yeah, well, it the basically ends shit with, happens. They, <laughs> Danny gets untied. I forget how. I, I assume Flora does. Yeah, it. Flora, Flora, Flora unties, unties her, her and it's like, we got to go. Danny right, so like, grabs her by the wrist and is like rushing her to get out Ms. of Jessel Bly Manor. Miss Jessel says like, get her right, out of Bly like, Manor. You need to she's get like, her She's like, we should run to the attic. And she's like, wait, we're already in the attic. Let's run outside this time. <laughs> yeah. And so then in the worst blocked finale moment, they're running outside up the driveway. Then Flora goes, 
no, we have to find Miles. It's like, no, you know that Miles is possessed by Peter Quint. Yeah. But okay, you're four or whatever. Whatever. Eight. So then Danny's like, no, we have to we have to leave. And Flora goes, no, we have to find Miles. <laughs> and then she, Danny then apparently leaves Flora and just starts running and immediately gets grabbed by the no-face lady of the lake. And right. starts throat. being dragged towards the lake. Yeah. No, dragged upstairs first, I thought. Oh, was it? Yeah, because yeah. then the whole ninth episode is spent with them, like, with pots and pans hitting the Lady of the Lake as she just keeps walking. It's <laughs> it's 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 really weird. Like, for some reason, the Lady of the Lake likes to drag people up to some room upstairs and it's then down to room, the lake. Because it's her room. Oh, oh yeah, that's She likes right. to kill them up there and then take their body to the lake, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll get into that after the next episode. But so So we end on this cliffhanger of Danny's been captured by the Lady of the Lake. And but I just episode... I hate the blocking of it because it's like we've seen the pattern. The Lady of the Lake basically wakes up once a month or whatever, st- walks out from the lake, walks upstairs, stands there for an hour, and then walks back down to the lake. Yep. They're running towards her. They don't see her. Yeah, okay, right. fine. Right. She's a ghost. Right. Whatever. Flora decides to stop because she's three or a zygote or something. I, sure. And she's like, yeah, we got to find Miles. And then Danny decides literally the blocking of it. It's not like she hears something and turns. She then starts running away from Flora and gets neck grabbed. The blocking of it doesn't make a lick of sense. Mm. No, I didn't I'm, actually. I, did she run? I didn't remember her I running went back away and from rewatched Flora. This morning. Okay, I believe you. Okay. I do remember thinking that like they basically traded logic for a jump scare. I mean, she right? should have just like picked Flora. Flora's like two pounds. Just pick right. her up and take her. Right. Like, and you know what? They probably had that written or that was a thought. And then it was just like uh, the stunt of having her grabbed and how to like handle a, a, a two year old tumbling during the stunt. I think it was just probably too much. Yeah, it it, so, see, it does go against exactly the logic of the show is that these ghosts are like flesh and blood things that like actually move at the speed of normal people. But then the lady of the lake just like literally warps to one foot away from her. And grabs her by the neck. And it's like, why didn't you would have seen her coming? Right. Because you were literally running towards her. I feel like you could have. This is a simpler solution. And maybe it's not as good if they were literally at the door about to walk outside. Mm -hmm. And Flora's like, no, we got to find Miles. And And then then she opens the door and grabs her. Yeah. Yeah, That would have made way more sense. Yeah. No, I didn't think of that at the time, but you're totally right. Uh, so then, then we, we have move another into... 20 minutes of Danny making. <laughs> yeah. Then we move into Missy's favorite episode, which is 20 minutes is of Danny getting choked. Episode? <laughs> and <laughs> 45 minutes of black and white, really not great costume drama. Well, I got to say, it it's not even that, dude. It's like a minute of her being choked. And then like the whole episode, like the entire runtime of like an hour she is this black and white. She walked. She went. She went. Yeah, she stepped. My wife kept making fun of that, too. <laughs> like, it was a lot. The base. So, again, th- this is the special episode, much like yeah. in the first season. There is an episode that's like mostly all one take. It's like three oneers. And they, apparently they wanted to recreate that. They wanted to have like a special episode this season, but do something different. So this episode is what entirely instead of having the best episode. It was the worst episode. I the, My major problem with this episode is that where it fell on the season. Like that, if this I'm was episode, like yes. if this was episode four or something, I think it would have been totally fine. But like it was like okay, we're like at the finale, and then you're telling this now. Like this is backstory. It yeah, shouldn't be at. The I fin- agree. Yeah. This, yeah, that's the thing. This, this is this this is an hour long explanation for who the lady in the lake is. 
Right. Like, who is you... literally just a villain. It's just it's to me. It, you know what it sort of reminds me of the fucking prequels. Darth Vader. Excellent villain. Great twist. Don't need three fucking movies to explain how he became Darth Vader. <laughs> Same thing. Don't need a whole hour to explain why the lady in the lake is who she is. Yeah, yeah like, this could have been five minutes. I, I personally was just like, why are they showing this so late in the season? This mm-hmm. just feels like I, episode four or five would have made a lot more sense. Like so you're, much, yeah. You've yeah. interrupted the momentum of your finale yeah. to, to tell this like completely... Dis, it's not that the, ep, the episode itself is just a standalone, you know, like a spooky, not even spooky, just atmospheric ghost tale with like narration running through the whole thing. That's mm-hmm. the other problem is that up till now, you got to remember the whole show is technically a story that an old woman is te- not an old woman, an older woman is telling at a wedding in present day. Mm-hmm. Right. And so certain episodes start with like a line or two to be like, the the chef knew that today he had to go to town or whatever. <laughs> but this episode is literally just like storybook land. Yeah. And it's the like, woman so just like, how does she know this? I know. Uh, it is ridiculous. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have no idea how she knows this. And I kept thinking about the poor people sitting at the wedding who are listening to the story. I was like, by now, aren't they like, what's this? Wait, what's this have to do with Danny wait, getting wait, wait, choked? What happens to Danny? Yeah. yeah she's like, and then the ghost grabbed the au pair and sort of dragging her to the lake and they're like Anne, and she's like well yeah. we have to go back to 1600 it's not the first time we <laughs> saw the ghost like even if they did this right after peter quint was killed that would be fine yes I, that would have made so much more right. sense missy yes i agree with that i kind of want to see like a five minute uh, or ten minute short of making fun of this where it's like this is her telling this story and it's like and there was a lady lady willoughby Oh, uh, there was Lord Willoughby, orphaned two daughters, Viola and Perdita. And people are like, uh-huh. Well, you were just, what, what happened to the other ghost story in the 80s? Hold on. She we'll get woke, there. She slept. She woke. She walked. Oh, okay. She slept. She woke. She walked. Uh, but what's, what's happening to Danny? What happened she to Flora and Miles? She slept. She woke. She walked. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I'm gonna go to bed. There's yeah. a wedding tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> time for a good bathroom time to break. Go to bed, yeah. lady. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish you heard like off to the soundtrack, like someone being like, "I just want to go grab a drink." She's still talking about the the lady in the dresses. She's yeah, like, "Yep, so." The slowest, most black and white movie I've ever seen. I mean, it is black and white. I, I will say that, like, technically, this episode feels the most Henry James of it all. Yeah. Right? Like, absolutely. It was very prescient of him to write a 1980s storyline, though. <laughs> Does someone want to, I mean, Missy, you want to explain the gist of this episode? Like, yeah, what, tell sure. us the story so, of the Lady in the Lake. So, like Chris was saying, um, it's about these two uh, sisters that have been orphaned, Lord Willoughby's daughters. And it was like way back in the day. And they're like, you can't really do anything without a husband as, as a woman, you need to marry and blah, blah, blah. It's like the 1950s or something. Yeah. (laughs) I was remembering a Missy's concept of like way back in the day is like 1982. (laughs) In the before times. 1700s or something. Isn't this like the 1700s? It's, 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 
It's like 16 something because you see the okay. the grave of their father says like 1650 okay. or 60 or something. Yeah. So the two daughters, Viola and Perdita, never heard Perdita that name Perdita. before, but yes. So Viola is one of the sisters from The Haunting of Hill House, and she's a really good actress. And I don't know who the other lady was. That, yeah, that's Mike Flanagan's wife. Really? Yes. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's yeah. very cool. I think the first time I saw her was in Hush. I think she's the star of Hush. Oh. Which obviously Mike Flanagan directed as well. And then, yeah, she's one of the leads in, she's the sister with the gloves in, in Hill House, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and, and I touch stuff or she'll get this, like, yeah. This whole, this whole show, I was like, I wonder where Mike Flanagan's mm-hmm. wife is. And then, okay, here she is. She does not play the no face lady in the other episodes, though. Are you kidding? Yeah, I, I, she, I thought she had a very different facial structure. I was like, yeah. why does the? I mean, I guess she doesn't want to like, do that. Oh, okay. It's, fine. it's like so, so, babe, you can be in episode eight, but you gotta you, for the rest of the episodes, I'm gonna cover your face in latex, and you just have to walk <laughs> up and down the stairs. And she's like, "Fuck off, Mike. Get <laughs> like, someone else to do that." <laughs> um. So both of the sisters like this distant cousin that comes to see if. He wants to marry them. And but the but Viola, Mike Flanagan's wife, um, is definitely like more pretty. She dresses better. She's just like a fancy lady with jewels and gowns and all this stuff. And the younger sister is just a little plainer. Both are very pretty. Um, so he marries the older sister and they have a daughter, uh, Isabel. And pretty much right after that, Viola gets sick with some kind of lung disease. They think it's a black plague at first, but it's not, but the doctor says that you have to stay away from your daughter so you don't get her sick. They don't really say exactly what it is, but she's very ill. And the priest, like I think a few months later or something like that, gives her last rites insisting that um, she's going to be dying soon. And everyone's telling her to go along with these last rites. And she's like, I was like, no, I'm not leaving. I will not be leaving. Tell your God to go away. And her sister agrees and was like, yeah, you tell him. You tell him you're not going anywhere. And so even though she's like on death's door, she is alive for like five or six more years, just like really deathly yeah, ill. Just and sheer like, force of will. Yeah, just like sitting in bed coughing all day while she's making everyone's life miserable around her and just like angry and like hitting her sister and like just, uh, the you know, the sister already kind of liked the husband too. So she's catching weird looks between the two of them. And she's like, I know you want to be the lady of Bly Manor. I, the sister's you, like, can tell, no. you can tell that this is Missy's favorite episode or one of her top favorites. Because <laughs> the previous one, she's like, what happened? Uh, I, think, happened I think Miles was in it. And this one, she's like, okay, we start on a medium close-up. We meet Lady Viola Willoughby. She has her right hand, elegant, slender, reaches out. She grabs the goblet, but not in a coy way, in a confident way. Lifts it to her lips, drinks of it. You can tell it is a good vintage. It's a nice wine. She has good taste. She's an excellent person. So then the next shot. I gotta tell you, Missy, I, I really went dream hopping myself. I like I suddenly like came back into my body and realized Missy's still talking. And I'm like I was like, what the fuck's happening? How long are you gonna tell this? Her slender but powerful fingers wrap around. <laughs> Chris knows, yeah. This is all um, important information. I can't cut any of this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unless you're talking about importance to the plot of Bly Manor, in which case only five minutes of it are uh-huh, actually important. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rodney, where did you go in your dream hop? <laughs> I I was I was I was I was thinking how uh, we shouldn't call her Mike Flanagan's wife. Her name's Kate Siegel. That's, That's the true. actress who plays her. He's yes. he's Kate Siegel's husband. True. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, it feels like Kate Siegel had more to do with the show than Mike Flanagan. So, yeah. <laughs> mm. like again, Mike Flanagan 
created it, but he he wrote and directed the first episode. And that's it. Like, yeah. I, I was surprised. He I thought he would at least do the final episode, yeah, too. Yeah, same. But, you know, like, look, I, no offense to anyone who made it, because, again, it's a very well-made show. But you can tell it's lacking that Flanagan magic yeah. that the first season has. Personally, like, no, you know, like, sorry, I like Mike Flanagan. It's definitely, yeah, you can tell it's, like, influenced by the first season, but, yeah, yeah it's yeah. not the same. So, anyway, basically. So, can I get back to my story? Uh, can you make, speed it up? God. <laughs> this, so, your, your, your rendition's longer than the episode. So, she hears something <laughs> happening down below, Lady Viola. She wakes. She, she wakes. talks. <laughs> she yes. talks some more. She, she goes Rod- down. Rodney <laughs> sleeps. <laughs> And she goes down <laughs> and she catches her sister and her husband dancing together in front of the daughter and freaks the fuck In fairness, in the 18th century, was fucking somebody. Yeah, exactly. So she's very pissed about this, like smacks her sister in front of the daughter, like, take me to bed right now. And, and Perdita is very, very, very upset. Her sister is sick of being told what to do and smacked around and... I kind of don't blame her, and she suffocates her sister to death. She does. She which I was her. like, hero of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you so, know, the, the narrator makes it imply like she does. She well, it's not like a mercy killing. It's just that she's had enough of her sick it's mercy just, for it's, everyone it's else. Enough. Yeah, yes. she's just like this has gone on long enough. Like you're not going to get better. Just go away. You're like making all of our lives miserable. But before Viola is suffocated, she makes her husband promise that she'll take all of her jewels and linens and furs well, like and laces she, and save them for the daughter. She was right, the Chris, lady of the manor. Over? She was the lady of the manor <laughs> running it. But once she got sick, it started to fall into disrepair. But she mm-hmm. still had all of these nice clothes and jewels. And so the husband is like, why don't we sell some of your uh, items? That way we can finance the estate. And she's like, no, my daughter will get them. Mm-hmm. And so part of her will is she says that the chest will be locked and won't be opened until mm-hmm. her daughter marries. It's like the well, one she thing makes, she asks for. She yeah. makes her husband promise and he promises. He does yeah. promise. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then it's her when well, he he marries the the sister after yeah. mm-hmm. his you know his his wife is murdered by her sister. And so then he's like, Well, he doesn't one woman know that. left. He doesn't right. know that she was murdered, but yeah, he agrees to marry the sister. Yeah. Oh, and this is when we also we this is where we get the plague doctor. Yes. Because in the early episodes, you get these glimpses of a plague doctor that like, you know, it has like the big long beak mm-hmm. nose mask, which again is like one of the things that's set up, but well, really but this, never comes. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a she has a plague doctor, but then there's another plague doctor that's actually the ghost. Really? They're that's different? the plague doctor from the war, isn't it? Uh, oh. No, no, no. It's the house uh, subsequently ends up being like a hospice for people yeah. with the plague. During My the war. Bad. During yeah. the war or something. Okay, well, yeah. anyway, that, that's now you know why there's a plague doctor, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you'll get mm-hmm. there. So so basically, after she dies, uh, the, the finances are dwindling, so... Perdita decides, oh, well, let's just open the chest and we'll sell one of the dresses. The husband is very against this. He's like, yes. absolutely not. We promised. No. Yeah. And then when she opens it, a dress, God, hand, uh. like, like, a, a, like <laughs> hands come through a dress and they choke and kill the sister. Is it per- Perdita is the, yes. this one? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should so, also say uh, the, the viola, basically her, after she died, her spirit is trapped in the chest. Yeah, because she she had basically said no to death so many times that when she actually died, death didn't come back for her. Yeah, there there's a cool line where they the where the narrator is like she had denied death so many times that he just stopped coming to Bly Manor, mm-hmm. which 
is important, right? Because after she dies, yeah, she's trapped in the chest, but like to her, her reality is she's just trapped in her bedroom. Right. And so she that's where like she all she can do is basically sleep and get up and like walk around the bedroom. Yeah, right. so and she, she has she in the sleeps, armoire in the, wakes, in the imaginary bedroom. She walks and tries around her clothes. Yep. And, and she eventually jewels, and then she basically sleeps. pins all of her hope on the day that her daughter will open the chest and she can give her yeah, the bounty she's, that she's been protecting. It'll all be worth it. Yeah. And then it opens and it's not her daughter, but it's her murder sister. So she's so. pissed. So she, so she murders her sister. sister. Yeah. So yeah. both sisters basically killed each other via suffocation, which is yeah. a certain kind of irony. Yeah. yeah. And so after this, um, the dad and the daughter end up leaving. They, they, they can't afford to keep up with Bly Manor. So they decide to move on, just the two of them. And it, he, he, the dad thinks that something is like wrong with the chest. Like whatever it is, he doesn't want to take the chance on it. And he decides to um, sink it in the lake on the property before leaving with the daughter. So Viola thinks she's going to go with them and is like so excited, like, oh, I'm going to be with them. Yay, yay, yay. But she ends up in the bottom of the lake and quite pissed. Yeah. And so then she just wakes up and that's why she makes the rounds. Yeah. So every night she wakes up, she goes to look for her daughter. Yep. Right. And then, and then there is like a montage of the, the, the next like 300 years. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you see that like over the years, she just slowly in the house, like, yeah, the house becomes a like a like a like an asylum for people with the plague. Mm-hmm. And basically, if you get in the way of the walking lake lady and she kills you, you're trapped there. And because yeah. like death, they keep referring to how like you get trapped in her gravity. And so all these ghosts are permanently bound to the grounds. That's why they can't leave. Yeah. And so you see her kill like a little boy that she mistakes as her own child. She kills a plague doctor. It's implied a that priest? she kills this. There's a priest yeah, she, at some point. Basically, every ghost that you've seen in the show was killed by the, the this woman. And eventually it gets up to the Peter Quint murder, mm-hmm. which we've already seen. So it's not really like a shocking. Yeah. It's not like you need to explain that to me. Yeah. Like I get it. But OK. Yeah. And over the years, because she's forgetting herself, her ghostly visage is turning into just like, you know, candle wax. Yeah. Yes, I do, I do like that explanation that mm-hmm. that's yeah. why the ghosts have no face is that they have for, they literally have forgotten what they even look like. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And yeah. and that's sort of like the fate that awaits everyone who dies at Bly Manor. Yep. Yeah, which I like the explanation of that. It just like was at a weird point in the story, like we said. Yeah. I just imagine her telling that to the room full of people like, and that's why the ghosts have no face. And you're like, <laughs> and you're like, well, she's I, waiting for clapping. Was I supposed <laughs> to know that? I really thought it was going to cut back to the present and like everyone was just going to be asleep in their chair. <laughs> and she's just and she's just like staring in the fire, drinking her champagne, still yeah. talking. Yeah, she's just a, she's an energy vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, why did you, you you really hated this episode? Oh, I hated it. I just thought it was so dull. I thought there were good ideas poorly executed. I thought the um, the sister storyline was like kind of dull and predictable. It just I mean, it makes sense that this was a, um, a Henry James story because it just feels very old and stodgy. Like, yeah, unlike everything else, this doesn't feel like it was updated in any way because it is taking place like, you know, I, I, I think this is when the actual story takes place like in the 1600s. You know? Yeah. And it, it, it the black and white just also didn't look very good to me. It just looked like they literally went into post and were like, what if we made it black and white? <laughs> I, I kind of like I don't know like I don't know how they actually shot this episode so well it's like you when know. you when you shoot black and white for black and white you have to basically uh color code everything so it looks good together in black and white 
Mm-hmm. This didn't feel like that. This looks like they took their existing sets and existing costuming and just dialed the saturation down. And it just well, didn't it didn't have that feeling of looking like a black and white costume drama to me. Well, also, they, they did because as the episode goes on toward the end, it starts the color starts saturating back in as we get closer to the present. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. But like it's like right around after she, you know, right after she dies, the black and white starts fading out. When you get to like the plague doctor shit in the asylum, it's starting to get oh, colorized. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, and yeah. by the time you get back to by the time you get back to Peter Quinn's death, we're back in color. Right. So they, right. They and clearly, I, I don't know. That just are felt they like saying very that, like it was black and white back in the day. Right. It feels very <laughs> film schooly. That yeah. It's like it was old time, so it's black and white. Well, <laughs> here's what I think. I I I personally think the my biggest complaint is all the narration. Like, I think this episode would have worked much stronger if it had just played out like a normal episode. Yeah, right? I just like, don't think it would work. Why would not She's not talking because she's like the actress doesn't have any lines for most of the episode. You would be so like. bored. You would, not, if you yeah. fell asleep during Missy's story of it, <laughs> imagine sitting through 55 minutes of a woman. I'm going to say the words, but, but walk it, waking, walking and whatevering. <laughs> Yeah, but here's the difference. That that would be creepy if it was just this woman, like if it was just sound effects and music as she like walks around and like you're cutting between things. Like we have been making fun of nonstop the fact that the narrator keeps saying she woke, she walked, she slept. So if we are all making fun of it, then maybe it wasn't a good choice. Yeah, yeah. I just I think I think the without it, it would probably. I feel like it's it's very bad tape holding something not great together. Maybe there's a different conception of it doing it uh, where it is just sort of played straight and like this is the story you're watching. Um, but I think the the scenes that we have, I don't know if they would make sense without the narration yeah. bridging them. I think that we need some narration. I mean, it could have been the character's own narration, like Viola talk, like what she's saying in her own head, her thought process. But you need some narration because she's not talking for half yeah. the episode. There, there wouldn't be anything. Again, I, I I overall enjoyed the episode. I just felt like it was out of place and a bit long winded. Yeah, know? it like, was for sure. I agree. I I certainly enjoyed getting the backstory of the woman, and like it, it sort of does explain everything about Bly Manor yeah, and the haunting. I think it's it actually was very important. They it, they just told it in a weird way at a weird time. Yeah, yeah. So finally, it it culminates in the moment where she grabs Danny. You know, in the present. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the 1987 present of the show. Yeah, so we come back. And so episode nine begins and we are now this is the final episode and we're basically back where episode seven ended. Exactly. With Danny being not dragged to the lake, but like dragged upstairs. Yep. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Remind me what happens. Uh, Basically, Elliot shows up and. Oh, right. Uncle Henry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he he. So she gets she's just like like for like 45 minutes as she's dragged upstairs and then no, back what? downstairs. Oh, where is it? What happened when she was upstairs? Because when we see Uncle Henry by the lake. Well, that, that happens later. So Danny is choked, which I, I didn't like that logically, because literally Quint got killed on the way to the bedroom and then was dead by the time he she was dragging him out. Yeah. Right. It's like the ghost sometimes can break your neck. Sometimes it just wants to choke you and drag you around for a bit. It's not very decisive. Yeah. So um, from there. Uh... Oh, yeah. She drags her up into the, the bedroom and Flora is like, please let her go. Please let her go. And she just is seeing her daughter. So we see her seeing what like her daughter, Isabel, at like age five or something. Right. 
Right. And she's like, oh, okay, this is my daughter. I'll, I'll take this person. And, right. and so she lets Danny go at that point. Mm-hmm. And right. starts carrying she... Flora down to the lake. Right. And that's when Uncle Henry shows up. And he basically just shows up and sees, like, this wax-faced dead woman carrying his niece to the lake. Slash daughter. Oh, yeah, you're right. It is his daughter. Sorry. Daughter and he's niece. like, he's like, madam, unhand my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and she just straight up, like, choke slams him. Yeah, um, he does. Oh, well, he goes unconscious very quickly. He, he yeah. doesn't put up much of a fight. Yeah, he's he's not as strong as Danny. She has she's right. got a neck for choking. No, she kills him straight up because like you see him laying there dead, and then you see him looking at his own dead body. Uh, he's like no. in purgatory because then the chef shows up and gives him the um, CPR. Wait, he's he's dead for a moment. For a okay. moment, he's like in between, like he's hovering between life and death. The right. Why are says. we Why are we debating? The because issue that's literally of this. what the narrator says. Okay, as, whatever. as Henry hovers between life and death, the chef breathes life, breathes fresh life into him. Yeah, yes. and again, and I'm like, why, why, why are we sticking? Cook. Why are we still with the narrator? Just let me watch the fucking show. <laughs> like, I'm seeing it. You don't have to tell it to me. <laughs> and now, what you're looking at is what's happening on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine Die Hard, where like John McClane is narrating. He's like, and then I climbed through the vent, and and then I said, and he's like, welcome to the party, pal. And you're <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> And then I thought to say, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this this show's so prescient. And Um, then I saw the duct tape, and I thought I could duct tape this gun to my back, so I did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, then uh, basically Danny, who's now fully recovered without any CPR, rushes up, and she's just like, you, me, us. Well, it's op- it's au pair power. It's you. Oh. It's me. It's oh. us. How does she even know to fucking say that? Because that's what they said in the attic. Okay. All right. Fine. Technically. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, she runs down and like, look, I get it. Like, like, I, I guess I'm just a cold hearted fucker because I'm just like, this is just your fucking job. These aren't your kids, right? Like that's <laughs> someone else's kid. And so, like, I don't get why you're trading your soul forever to the creepy lake lady for this little kid who basically has been kind of a bitch for half yeah. the show and her brother who's a fucking asshole. Fuck these people. Time to go. Well, that's, it's, it's, it's the classical classist thing, right? That the poor people will have to take on the burdens of the nobles for Yikes. in order for the nobles to continue. That is a theme that is mentioned at least once in this show. <laughs> so, yeah, she basically says, it's you, it's me, it's us. And the lake lady basically lets Flora go and doesn't take Danny in this moment. I'm not sure why. That's unclear. Well, she goes inside of her. It's just like she, there's so little left of her that she's not strong enough to like take her over. Like there's so little left of the lady in the lake of okay. that person that it's not like a strong enough entity to like take over the body because she doesn't even know what she is or who she is. Okay, fair enough. And so basically what I thought, I thought the finale would be a, how do you want to put this? Like, you know, an hour long battle of against Bly Manor and the ghosts and shit. Mm-hmm. All this wraps up in like 10 minutes. Yeah, there like, was a nice scene though first that I thought it was this episode where Hannah Rose is talking to the chef again in the, back in the kitchen and she is like admitting that she's the co- uh, the chef. I think has to tell her that you know you know this isn't real. It's not. It's self. You know I know you're not so selfish. That you would just stay here in this memory. You need to help them out there. You need to help me out there because I'm still alive. And you need to help me out there because you. And love then she me. teleports to the driveway and is like, oh, and you got you got to help him or Elliot. Just she say it to 
Owen or does she say it to the Uncle Henry? I think Owen, because like that's when the Owen's like, oh, and then like, she's like, you, they need you down by the lake. And so Owen goes and gives the CPR to what's, what's that governess? There's Henry. trouble at the old lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this part was a little weird because like I, I like the idea of her being like, even though I'm dead, I can still help. Yeah, right. but her help but is her basically help is like. like- over waving there. her arms over yeah. there look over there and they're like you mean we're all the fucking like everywhere and uh, where everyone is yeah i know <laughs> and uh, she tells... my arc is completed i can rest now <laughs> she tells uncle henry that you know tell the chef i'm sorry when he finds my body in the well and blah 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 so basically like make sure they know where she is so they can kind of put her to rest so we get that too yeah, and so whatever. Like basically you because she gives her soul or she gives her body to the lake lady for possession, that frees all the other spirits. And so we see like Hannah disappear and the plague doctor disappear and every other fucking ghost that's been mentioned, right? And I felt like that was a good moment, right? It yeah. was like, okay, they like, you know, all the people finally can rest. And I thought that was really touching. Right. I do find it. I just thought of something. I find it strange that they know that Miss Jessel drowned in the lake, but they didn't go and check the lake for anything else. As they would have very quickly found Peter Quinn's body. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they would have. And they would have found a, tr- a fucking trunk of clothes down there. Yeah. Right. Maybe the maybe the white. The well, lady, actually, the, 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 the little I, mean, boy. I get what you're saying. But Miss Jessel, it was so fresh that they found her because she was floating on the top. They right. didn't go look for her. Oh, that's that's true. She was floating. Missy yeah. really paid attention to this show. Thank you. So what happens from here? Then it, then we just go into pretty much the epilogue, right? Yeah, like, it, it's, it's epilogue just... from here. They're all leaving Bly Manor and doing different stuff. Which I just feel like, don't you have to get? So you, like the cops are going to show up and be like, well, there's a dead lady in the well. There's the dead guy in the pond. There's also a trunk. There's a child skeleton in the pond. <laughs> <laughs> this, I think quite a few I, child skeletons in the pond. Yeah. I think everyone just kind of like got in their car and left. They were like, well, like the well, next day. Like never talk about this. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, Henry takes the two kids to America to raise them there and just like, yeah, and, try and forget. So uh, for, again, I want to, I want to be clear. I think this episode does a really good job of, of putting a bow on, on the show. It does like because, literally every storyline besides, besides who the fuck was Henry's alter ego and what that was i mean oh yeah uh, that literally oh, just yeah. fucking disappears that's from the, the show. only thing that wasn't put a bow on um and made no sense but yeah everything but, like, else he finally like he he stops drinking and he becomes a good father slash uncle to these kids and like basically because the whole show is him not wanting to go anywhere near bly manor and these kids to him finally embracing them as his own and taking care of them and you, oh, in the, we didn't talk about it. It, it. You find out he's the guy who's been calling every night and not talking because he's, yeah, he's hoping Flora will yeah, answer. Yeah, he just wants to hear her voice. And so I thought that was really, it was really sweet that like, okay, the kids are going to be okay, which is a big change from the actual ending of The Turn of the Screw. Yeah. Because the original ending is Miles just fucking dies. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. he dies in the arms of well, the, He the also pair. does narratively die in this because we never see him again. Yeah, you, you see him at the wedding. Yeah, you see him. Yeah, yeah, but like he doesn't have any lines. He doesn't have anything. Yeah, right. but it, like, it, uh, yeah, he is no longer inhabited because Peter's spirit goes away with everyone else's. Right. I will say for Miles being such an important character, his story does not really get resolved other than he lived, you know? Like, yeah. this this episode is really the story of Danny and uh, mm-hmm. the Gardner. The Gardner. Jamie. What's her name? No, Dan- Jamie. Jamie Gardner. Jamie Gardner, I don't right. think we've heard her name once. 
so there's a reason for that, actually, which I find really interesting. It is. Because it's not set up, but it is interesting. So as the episode goes on, you basically follow that, like, Danny and Jamie, like, decide to leave Bly Manor together and, like, start a relationship. And it follows them over the next several years as their as their love is deepening and growing and like they 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 find each other as soulmates but Danny keeps telling her that like she knows the lady in the lake is going to take her one day yeah and and she keeps having a mirror stuff again where she's like looking and in, in, instead of her reflection she, she's the lady in the lake mm-hmm. right or like in the bathtub like in the yeah. water and Jamie keeps saying like look you can only you can basically you just have to take it one day at a time right like let's just enjoy every day that we have together and if it kind of covers like five years of time, yeah. in which case in, they like they end up. I forget if they 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 sh- they, they they go and have drinks with the chef. Right. At his yep. restaurant. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He is now he's now a chef with a with a fairly successful restaurant. And he talks about how like he recently saw Henry and the kids and they're all older. And like Flora now has a boyfriend. And like while they remember being at Bly Manor, they don't remember any of these events like they don't remember their like the op like they remember, they remember there was a woman named Hannah but they don't like they recognize her picture but they don't know her and they certainly don't remember any ghost shit and blah 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 which is kind of for the best that they don't remember they were possessed by a a, a murdering asshole right <laughs> um but i think there's something really poignant about all this in the like the idea of how your memories from childhood are like kind of like washed away as you get older right and like the traumatic events of the past uh, kind of get, I don't, I don't know how to put into words because this episode has so much fucking like meaning and theme yeah. into it that it's, I think as Missy likes to say, like I kind of just felt this episode, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Good job. I, I thought, it, I just thought it was really beautiful, especially when like you finally make your way back to the present and you are back with, I can never say this actress's name. Is it Carla Gugino? Carla Gugino. I don't know why I can't say it, but... <laughs> <laughs> the she is the woman who's the narrator who's at the wedding who's been telling the story Gugino Carla Gugino there I said it and and again I'm like these people have been listening to this story forever and then she basically almost looks at camera and goes like I told you it was a long story <laughs> and, I, and I was like lady that was like a nine hour story you didn't have to go off on all these like tangents this is a wedding come on <laughs> and you you come to realize that she is Jamie Right. The She's the the gardener as an old, older woman. And you see that the chef is there, too. And he's much older as well. And Uncle Henry is there as an old man. Yeah. Uncle Henry is there. And so you see Miles briefly as like a guy in his, I guess, 30s. And she briefly like like one by one, everyone says good night. And the the bride stays to have a word with her. And she's like, basically, I I I almost for I almost believe that was a real story. Because you, when you said Flora, that's my middle name. And I th- thought maybe you were, is it, however she words it, basically like I thought you were teasing me, right? But it's clear that like the bride is actually Flora who has like stopped using the name Flora. She like made it her middle name or whatever. And she does not, I guess doesn't, it's unclear if she just doesn't remember Jamie is the old gardener or if she invited her to the wedding knowing she's the, I guess she just well, I'm forgot assuming the uncle it. invited her. Oh, uh, that makes more sense. Because like, she doesn't seem to know who this woman is. Right. But it's also weird that it's like, you know, the kids don't remember. It's probably better that way. I'm going to spend a whole night telling them. <laughs> before yeah. her wedding to ruin her, her mood before her wedding. 
Well, she, so that's, that's the reason that she never uses anyone's names. And she just refers to them as like the au pair and the chef, oh, yeah. you know, and the gardener. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, Let's call her uh, Orloff. <laughs> and, and she also says that like, cause someone asks about Bly Manor and she's like, well, obviously I didn't use the real name of the place. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that way you can never go find it. And I don't know. I found that very touching. There was just something very touching about the fact that like the whole show has been narrated by the gardener who is actually telling the love story of her and Danny, you know? Yeah. It's weird that she, that her story includes Danny's, you know, dead fiance and meeting the uncle and like all the shit that she wasn't there for, but I yeah. guess she got told about after the fact. Yeah. And then there was like, how does she know about the part with the uncle seeing his, his double? Yes. Yeah, I have no idea how she knows that the sure. uncle saw it. How does she know about the part with what happened with uh, Jessel and Quint? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no clue, yeah. dude. <laughs> you know, she, she, if someone would, I, I wish the show had had that. Someone would say, excuse me, how do you know what Miss Jessel said to Quint in the privacy of their own bedroom? She's like, it's, are you, it's my fucking story, okay? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to tell a fucking nine hour long story? Go ahead. <laughs> Turns out you got to fill in some shit, okay? Like, just, just sit there and drink your drink. Yeah. This yarn is not going to stretch to nine hours by itself. Oh. All right. Where was I? I forgot. Let me start over. So this is, a... <laughs> do we gloss over the part that like Danny getting more possessed, she decides we've, to kill herself? We've glossed it. Yeah. We haven't said that yet. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, the thing I just said. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Danny is like day by day after, I mean, they've, they've gotten like seven years together, but like over the last year of it, like the ghost is coming for her more and more. And this is again, the reference to the title of the episode, the beast in the jungle that is coming. Right. And, um, and it's unclear. Does she kill herself or she just, she leaves her a note and disappears. Yeah, she, she wakes up and she, she finds that her, as she wakes up, her hands are almost around Jamie's. Yeah, throat. like she's gonna snap Which her again, neck. how does Jamie know that? She might put it in the note. Maybe it's in the note, yeah. Um, but uh, she babe, decides, I almost like, choked you. Leaving. It's like, I can't <laughs> risk something else, you know, happening like this. So she goes to Bly Manor and drowns herself in the lake. And so then Jamie goes to the lake and tries to swim down and she's like, take me, take me. So like we can be ghost lovers well, together. But it comes out as... Yeah, <laughs> the show is big on a lot of scenes of people trying to talk and it coming out of like, oh, <laughs> it's really into choking is the thing. But uh, the ghost won't take her. And she realizes that, like, it's because she loves her too much to not condemn her to this kind of fate. And um, and so basically Danny's I, I will say I like I like I really like this, the bittersweet endings, right, where it's like all the ghosts are freed except Danny and the lady, the, the lake lady who are forever like entwined and trapped on the property. And Jamie. Well, well, that's, I guess that's not actually what, how it ends. That's how it's implied. Right. Oh, are you, do you think Jamie is a ghost? No, I just, oh. I mean that she's eternally trapped. How is she eternally trapped? Cause she isn't, she is literally living a life. So as it ends, she, you know, the wedding ends, they have a nice time. Flora goes, my middle name's Flora. That's weird coincidence. All right. Anyway, <laughs> waiting time. Bye. And then Jamie goes upstairs. How, how do I? How do I know you? By the way. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm the gardener from the story. You're Flora. Uh, all this is real. And she's like, <laughs> Oh, that makes sense. All right, <laughs> I'll see you That's tomorrow. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, and so Jamie goes upstairs to her hotel room, leaves the door unlocked, like latched, so it's open, and then falls asleep in the chair, staring at the door. Yeah. She, and she then it that... pulls back and you see Danny's ghost has her hand on J- Jamie, old old Jamie's shoulder. Was that, I rewound the 
that a few times. I was trying to figure out if that's what it meant. I thought that's exactly what it means because she's wearing the, the. They get married. They like. Yeah. We skipped over that, but yes, they like. They decide she proposed. Danny proposes to her. They get married and they exchange rings. And then at the end, you see the hand touching Jamie's shoulder has the ring that Danny had. Yeah, I didn't know if that was just her like imagining that or that's what she wanted or. Though but here's, I mean, for, like for a show, good. an entire show that is about getting over something and moving on, it's really disappointing to have the last scene be like, but you know, true love is practicing dangerous activities so that you don't have to deal with the death of somebody that you love. Wait, what's the dangerous activity? She's leaving her door open. Well, she, first of all, she says why she does that. She says that like, basically she's never got, like, like Danny's the love of her life and she's never gotten over her. And she always thinks that one day she'll come back. And so she always leaves the door open. And so I don't know why she feels the need to like fall asleep sitting upright in a chair. Like that, that felt a little weird. It feels like I rested. I feel like what the whole show is about is like this idea that like how love, how the, the people we love remain with us even after they die. Right. Right. But that's not presented in a positive way. It is presented in positive. No, it's like, not. She's literally sleeping. She's going to have all sorts of neck and back problems, <laughs> sleeping in a chair every night of her life going, I hope the love of my life comes back, because if she were truly the love of my life, she would want me to spend the rest of my days pining for her. But no, but the, this is like a kindergartner's imagination of love. No, dude, the <laughs> yes. whole implication is that is that she that Danny's been with her this entire time. And that's tragic because she doesn't know that. But that's it's it's a metaphor for real life. Just like we don't actually know if our dead relatives are with us or not. How is that a the metaphor? Because she's not it's, forgetting her. It's 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 like. But it's not not honor. It's not honoring her. It's obsessing over her. It's mm, not. It's, she's it's in love with her. It's, it's keeping, obsessive activity. It's keeping her memory alive. <laughs> that's not keeping her memory alive. Keeping her memory alive is made. being like, I'm going to go back to Bly Manor once a year to visit this lake and talk to her. And then I leave with my new husband or wife or whatever. Like, no, this is literally the implication is that she's spending every night sitting in front of a door, hoping she comes back. I mean, it doesn't mean she does it all day. Well, your nighttime ritual. (laughs) I mean, it is a bittersweet ending. I didn't say that. Thirty-three percent of her life is dictated by this. Well, that's the love of her. I mean, that's the love of her life. That's how much she loves her. And that's what I'm saying is a middle school interpretation of love. I mean, but that's how she feels. That's how she feels. And like, I, I mean, it just then she should go to my... therapy. Well, maybe she should. <laughs> maybe she shouldn't have left England where she has fucking so, health care. So you don't you don't you didn't like the ending. I hated the ending. I thought <laughs> I liked it in the feel. I don't like how what it's actually saying, because I think it undermines the entire premise of the show. I, I, I disagree. Saying, I felt like, like it, know, it. Go ahead, Missy. Well, she she explained. She's like, look, like this is this is the love of my life. And it doesn't get easier. Like every day is still hard. But you know, I know she's with me forever. And it's like, it's just basically saying that like, it hasn't, hasn't gotten any easier over the years. Like it hasn't faded and you know, it's still very real. Yeah. She I, also, mean, I think I it's think... also for me, it's part of the issue is that like, I didn't see how they're like truly understand each other. Like it doesn't feel like I saw true love. I just saw a, a horny gardener be like, who's the hot chick. And then they like talked about some of her trauma and then moved across the Atlantic together. Well, I w- look, I'll say that, like, the show doesn't spend a lot of time on their romance blooming. Like, it does seem like they they think each other's hot. They kiss. They kind of break up for a night. And then the next day, they're like now a thing. But it does a lot in the last episode mm-hmm. to show you their life together. 
And like they get a lot in there, you know, like like what starts off as two women dating becomes like those quiet moments of just like like cuddling in bed while one person falls asleep and the other one reads, you know, and like cooking dinners together. And like, like, I don't know. I felt like they did a really good job of making you feel like these two people deeply loved each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looked to me like they were in a relationship. I don't know if it felt like deep, you know, uh, spend the rest of my life pining over this love. I'll also point out though, Chris, that this is character specific because Jamie makes a point of saying how she's never been able to get close with people. And Danny is the exception, right? So like her very, this isn't meant to be a, while it is a commentary for everyone, it's also specifically about this woman who's basically like, I one time found my, my, the love of my life and now she's dead and I can't. Ah, But then that shows that that didn't make her grow she is obsessed over this one thing that she fears that she'll never replicate again so therefore she actually this relationship is actually worse for her because in the long term she's not going to ever try again she's just going to obsess about the one thing she found once yeah but she i mean she she is happy she's not cherishing that memory i think she is i think she's grateful that she had that in her life And she wouldn't have it any other way. It reads to me like she is obsessing over the loss of this one thing. And it is sad (laughs) and tragic when the entire thing is about how the the gravity of loss and longing and feeling deprived, a broken promise between you and your loved one leads to all of this death and loss of what happened to, to Lady Willoughby, created all this. And so what do we get out of this? Well, true love is being obsessed with somebody and never getting over it. It is immature, it is silly, and it doesn't it doesn't live up to the rest of the show. I don't think it's immature and silly because that's how a lot of humans are. Like, it's human nature. I think I would act the exact oh, same way if my husband died. If your husband died, you would never get over it. No. You would sit in front of hotel rooms with the door open. I would probably not get, I wouldn't do that, but I would do other stuff that would be very You would just crazy. grow old into a withering spinster, never loving again. Never but that because no, that's what your that. husband would want. I, but it but she didn't just would die. Want. That's what it, I would want. Like the question is, what if Missy's husband like willingly gave up his body to be possessed by a like a yeah like, a, like she a made this woman. sacrifice that the kids don't even know about. It's so tragic. She made yeah. such a sacrifice, and these kids don't even remember who she is. Like it's heartbreaking. Right, and so her honoring her is to la- have her entire life get sucked down too. If my that mean partner, she have a life if my partner, if I died and my partner life. just sat there, I'd be like sh- ghost shaking them, like go be happy. I love you. Go be happy. You can be happy in other parts of your life without moving on romantically. Like that's not everything there is to life. I mean, she uh, could still have other parts of her life that are very full, but not want to move on maybe, with a new partner. Maybe this is like the by dint of having older parents. Like I know a lot of their friends who like are widows or widowers. Go on, you do other stuff. You have other relationships because you realize like there's no the one that doesn't exist. I disagree, but I mean, if that's how you feel, then uh, that's how you feel. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I can't wait to see your arithmetic homework. I it's I not, think... not good at math at all, but like that's that is absolutely how I feel. And if I were to move on, it would be with like a career and friendships. It it wouldn't be in a romantic way, you know. I think different people I feel differently. I think humans uh, need some sort of mateship and companionship to a certain extent. I can't think of a single widow I know or widower I know who has just been like, "Well, that's it for me." Well, look, I mean. No offense to my wife who's going to listen to this episode, but if she passed away, yeah, I'd start dating again. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like she would always live on with me in my heart. Absolutely. I, I think, and that doesn't so mean I, that you don't love them and don't honor them. 
I do get what you mean, Chris. Like, it does feel like there, it would be maybe a little different if, I, I think there's a difference between, I, at the end of the day, it's just like, that's who this woman is, right? And I do think that this type of gothic romance, supernatural genre leans heavy on that, right? It's all about like the, 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 the pain of loss and the heaviness of life and love, right? And so like, I, it just doesn't feel like the right ending to see her now like with some other woman and she's happy and then she like smiles and turns around and like off in the distance smiling at her as the ghost of Danny and she like gives her a thumbs up, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree. That wouldn't be correct. I think for me, so much of my distaste with the ending hinges on the act of her setting the lock to catch the door, sitting a ch- and then sitting in a chair and sitting and waiting for her to come back. It just feels so... Ugh, I honestly didn't it, think twice about that. Would you feel would you feel differently if she had opened the door and then got into bed and fell asleep and then you saw like the hand like on her her shoulder in bed? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's literally those two choices of her like sitting. As I said, I can't come up with another word for it. Obsessively, I I told dude, I totally get where you're coming from. There 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 in the moment when I was watching it, I was like, is tonight special or does she spend every fucking night in a chair staring at the door? I like, wasn't thinking she spends every night in a chair. I think she was like at a hotel in a weird situation. It's just whenever she bores a bunch of strangers with the story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe she was she was hoping maybe maybe there's like a cut scene where she was flirting with some other guests and was hoping she'd show up. <laughs> <laughs> it was it wasn't a wedding, it was a key party. <laughs> and she was like, I always leave the door open for the ghost of my dead wife or any other living hot girl who might want to attend. Wink. The ghost of my dead wife <laughs> likes to watch. <laughs> But I, I, I still, I just, I, I don't know. I liked the last episode in its, in its totality. Ex, ex, like, again, I thought it was kind of weird that they just end the story in the first 10 minutes that we've been watching for eight hours. But then like the, 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 the final wrap up of what happens to everyone and that everyone lives their lives and they forgot everything. And that like, you're just left with the ghosts of the past. That's basically what it's about. And I was like, hey, bravo, guys, bravo. It's still not season one, but I thought you did a great job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think overall it was very strong. I just... I will... Can I say this? I liked this finale more than I liked the finale of season one. What was the finale finale of season one? Exactly. Yeah, I know. That's what I think, too. (laughs) I know. Literally, whenever I think back on Haunting of Hill House, I just think of the Mortuary Wonner episode. That was so good. Well, I don't... Again, I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen season one, but I just felt like the first... Like, basically... All of the episodes of Haunting of Hill House are like a horror show. And then the last episode changes direction and tries to be like this, where it's like a like a touching remembrance of the past. And I'm like, what happened to the fucking show about the evil malevolent house? Like, where'd that go? Right. (laughs) Whereas this ending at least felt in line with the rest of the show that it was a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, Missy? I appreciate that you appreciate the ending. I'm glad somebody (laughs) liked it. Like I liked it. Like I just like understood it and I found it very touching. And I was like so choked up. Like my dog was really worried about me. She was like coming over and licking me nonstop because I was like so upset and crying for like a half an hour. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the way, the way I look at it is like at the end of the day, movies and TV shows are they're like they're emotion machines, right? Their, their whole purpose is to make you feel over logic, right? Like it's not a, you want fucking logic, like go to Wikipedia and read facts, right? So like, if you watch something, this is the way I think about like the ending of Lost, right? When I watched the ending of Lost, I I got teary eyed because I felt the emotions they wanted me to feel. 
It's only after the fact that I was like, but that doesn't make any sense, right? That doesn't actually explain anything. And so I think, Chris, you're coming at it from this logic plot point yeah. of view. Well, and no, this and is I, coming at it from the emotional point of view. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there is a degree of that. But in the moment, I couldn't help but thinking that where I'm like, so wait, the, the wrap up of the like, this is the love of your life is you now just sit here and wait for her to come home, even though, you know, she's dead. I like I just it just didn't jive for me. I didn't really like see it like that. I just thought of it like she thinks of her every night still. I don't know. I didn't think of it in such like a like a sad, yeah. pathetic kind of way, which I get what you're saying, but I. I saw it as like every night before she goes to bed, she just like thinks about the fact that she loves her. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I wish I could think about it that way. <laughs> well, again, I'm glad we watched it. I, I, I certainly hope they will do a third season of the mm-hmm. haunting series. They probably will. Right. Like it's a so. huge yeah. hit for Netflix. Again, this, this whole season, it's really not, it wasn't scary, you know, like it was more of like, yeah. and they do, they make a point of this in the last episode. she, the Jamie's talking to Flora and she says like, you know, this whole time I thought you were telling a ghost story, but it was actually a love story. Mm -hmm. And then she says, well, they're kind of the same thing, aren't they? Mm. And I thought that like that fucking line, there's a reason that's at the end of the show. Cause it's, Mm -hmm. it's retroactively explaining. That's what this season was. It really was a, a love story with supernatural elements. But like we, the gardener, we get no backstory on. So the whole story is like about the, the love story, the gardener. Like, it was just like, I didn't, you, you don't even really get much of the gardener into the last episode. Yeah, dude, yeah. I'm totally, again, I'm totally with you. Like, would have been great to have seen, like, she, she tells a story of how she became a gardener, but like, I never really got to know the gardener as the, as a person. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I would have, this is, oh, it's filling in everything for me now. She doesn't know about Quint. This is my, this is my fan fiction. She doesn't know about Quint and Jessel. That's her backstory that she put onto these other characters because she doesn't want to acknowledge it. I don't even understand. What I don't you're get saying. that either. So like her, not- her being, you know, uh, wanting to be a barrister and she ended up as a gardener, her, <laughs> her shit stained mother, uh, fucking her over. Like that's that was oh. really about her. All the stuff oh, that she yeah. wouldn't know is actually her life. Maybe. Basically, it's a story of like a lonely gardener who finds an empty house and just starts tending to the plants. And she's like, <laughs> oh, but there was also a little girl and a little boy who lived there. And, <laughs> and, and then all the old pair came. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be uh, we're going to be away for the summer. Jamie, can you take care of our house? Absolutely. What a lively house. <laughs> and all my new friends. Yes. All right, this has been an incredibly long episode for Pod Forsaken Standards. Yeah. <laughs> but we covered five hours of content when we normally do like 90 minutes. So that's, I think that's fair. But is there any closing thoughts? Any last minute things you guys want to say? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think Look, no. I was lukewarm God, on this, but I think it finished really strong. And I think, I think it's worth watching because like I wasn't sure if I would recommend it as a whole after watching the first few episodes. I'm totally with you, Missy. I, I, I felt like it, there were there were great moments. It was every at every episode ranged from like pretty good to really great, mm-hmm. with the exception of one that I, I was down on. But I thought it it ended so strong that it retroactively made me like the series more than I did as I was watching. I it. agree. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I overall I liked it. I just I think it started really strong and peaked and then just kind of collapsed in the last the penultimate episode really, really was a big fly in the ointment. <laughs> That's fair. I know I know other people who didn't really care for the season as well. So you're you're not alone, you know? Yeah. But all the same, I'm so glad we have content like this. Like me I will too. keep bringing me 9-hour long series about haunted houses, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. That I are agree. that are really well written and have actual dramatic moments in them. Yeah. Like it's it's nice to see 
like that combination of 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 supernatural shit with like actual acting and things you people you care about to one degree or another. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what next season will be about. Gonna have to wait yeah. until after Who Midnight knows? Mass. Yeah, Midnight Mass is what oh, I'm really waiting for. Right, that, right, right. I'm fucking pumped. All right, that's Mike Flanagan's next show. Okay, I think that's all. Next week, <laughs> like we said, we're doing the Dark and the Wicked. Uh, thank you for sticking with us for this special two-parter, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Bye, everyone. everyone. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the episode. If you could uh, like, subscribe, and share this episode, that'd be great. If you want to share your feedback with us, we can be reached at podforsakenpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah.